Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, an amazing, long, and in-depth, and funny, and insightful conversation with uh, a friend of mine for many years now, Azhar Usman, very funny comedian. I have a feeling, uh, if you don't know about him, you're about to. Super funny guy, interesting guy, as I always say. Let's get to it as quickly as possible. Uh, sponsor, again, I'll do it NPR style. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. You know this. Whether you need a, a portfolio to showcase your work or a store to sell your products or services or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move into a reality. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Make your next move. Yeah. NPR style. Sorry, I'm out of breath because I've been moving slightly. <laughs> uh, I do want to say all episodes of Crashing are available now on HBO Go, HBO Now, and rerunning on regular HBO. Uh, any t-shirts, stickers, pillows, mugs that have been inspired by bits that we've done on the show are available at store.peteholmes.com. May 26th, I'm going to be performing stand-up in Boston with my good friend Eugene Merman. That's going to be an amazing show. Tickets are available at peteholmes.com. And as always, I love to plug a, our, my two favorite products. These are my Pete's Picks. These are products that I personally use and love every single day. The first one is Alpha Brain. As you guys know, Alpha Brain is a nootropic, which means it's like a vitamin for your noggin. And I swear by it. For the past over three years, I haven't recorded a podcast, done stand-up, written a script, meditated, tried to lucid dream, anything using my brain. I always take Alpha Brain about 15 minutes before I start. I like to take about three because I'm a big fella. Uh, you know, I think they say take two. I take three. That, that's what I like, uh, because it just makes me sharper, helps me with language, helps me with recall, helps me with memory and focus. It's not a stimulant. It's not like coffee. It doesn't make me anxious. It's not like that. In fact, you can take it before you sleep, like I mentioned, if you want to have weird dreams, which is super fun. I always keep a bottle in my backpack. There's one in my car, and there's always a couple loose pills in every jacket I own. I've actually had people come up to me after shows and ask for an alpha brain, and I give it to them, <laughs> because I always, always, always have it. If I forget it in my car, I turn Around, spin on my heels and get it. It's just that important and effective for me. So I want you to try it because if you like it as much as I do, or even one half, one tenth as much as I do, you're going to shit your pants. You can go to onit, O N N I T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off your purchase. The other uh, wonderful product, the other Pete's pick, as you know, is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. This is something that I use. It's a wonderful substitute for the, a lot of things that uh, people tend to turn to, which I think have more of an impact, uh, negative impact on me at least, alcohol, uh, just smoking weed, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil is a wonderful way to take the edge off, whether you're traveling, just trying to wind down at night, trying to focus better, relax at work. These are good things to take. Uh, in, my, in my view, it is a game changer, and it's been a life changer. It's great for mild pain, neck pain, back pain. All of this is anecdotal. Uh, anxiety, it's a game changer for me for anxiety. Uh, it's not psychoactive, which means it's not like THC. It is made from hemp, but it's just the CBD part of the plant. They've isolated the CBD 
which is more of a, a body feeling and a overall wellness and glow. I have so many people come up to me now and say, I know what you're talking about with the glow. I've started taking Charlotte's Web. I do want to point out that the ones that I take are uh, Everyday Advanced and I take Everyday Plus. If you just take the Everyday, you probably won't notice it. Uh, it's always good to get that stuff in you. It's good for your brain, good for your body. But if you want to feel it and kind of notice the difference, I highly recommend trying the Everyday Plus or the Everyday Advanced. Uh, it, there's no cloudiness. It's just a good, clean, clear, calm, happy glow that I really love. Want you to try it. Always means a lot to me when people come up and say how much the Pete's Picks mean to me, mean to them, excuse me. And uh, I hope that is the case for you. All you got to do if you want to try Charlotte's Web is CW, like Charlotte's Web, CWHemp.com slash weird and use promo code you made it weird and you'll get 10% off. Again, Everyday Plus, Everyday Advanced, those are the ones that I enjoy the most or Alpha Brain on it.com slash weird. Uh, again, as I mentioned up top, our wonderful sponsor is, uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm looking for something. If there was anything else I had to plug, uh, nope, nope, not at all. Uh, so I do want to say thanks again to our sponsor, Squarespace. You guys know it. I don't know what you're up to in your life, but chances are you probably need an amazing website that is intuitive, easy to make, easy man- easy to maintain. And if you do have a question, they have award-winning customer support 24-7. Uh, no matter how small or technically advanced the question may be, you need to get your brand out there. You need to get your blog out there. You need to get your store out there. And Squarespace is here to help. Their award-winning templates create a beautiful website in minutes. It's simple. It's intuitive. You can add and arrange your content uh, with just a simple click of the mouse. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And as I mentioned, they are there to help 24 hours a day, seven days a week, if you have a problem, no matter how small or huge. It doesn't matter. Think of them as your own personal IT department. So, make your next move and start your free trial at squarespace.com today. Enter offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's WEIRD. W-E-I-R-D at squarespace.com today. All right, guys. Hope to see you in Boston on May 26th. Enjoy Azhar Usman. This is a very, very fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And uh, that's it. Val's in Budapest, so I'm going to say it. What is, my, what is my love doing in Budapest? She's having a lot of fun. Uh, but I'll say it. Get into it. Right? Get into it. <laughs> The Czar. What's going on, my brother? The Azar. Uh, <laughs> Get over here. What's going yeah, on, man? Good to see you. How are you, man? Nice to see you. Congratulations, man. Thanks. I watched Crashing last night. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. dude. It's, it's excellent. What's up? Oh, man? thank you. Aristotle. What's your name? Aristotle. Oh, you're Aristotle. I, yeah, I've heard you in other episodes of this very podcast. There's Katie. There's Aristotle. Where's and that's Katie? the end of the list. Where's Katie? Oh, it's it's either or. Oh, I was like, yeah, there's only you, one. Sit over here. Yeah, this is it. Okay, I'll give you a little bit more room. I'm too fat to fit in this. I was just gonna say, not a fat joke. <laughs> you look good. You always look happy and glowy, and I'm always Thanks, happy to man. see you. Thanks, man. That's really sweet, dude. You're the same. I feel the same way about you. Bro. Oh, I appreciate that. You're one of the good guys. <laughs> one of those happy, friendly, fan, fr- friendly, friendly, friendly friends. People, man. And I and I loved your special, dude. It was great, man. Oh, thanks, man. Bro, you know that feeling of excitement. Of seeing your old like friends of yours that you started in comedy with, yeah, I I've been like voyeuristically enjoying the rise of 
all the people that we, we were yeah, on. Yeah, I know, Kumail. Chicago, obviously, yeah. there he is right on the wall. Kyle, for TJ, Hannibal. Well, this is... I mean, like, bro, I've, I've just been so quietly from a distance. Well, you're still in admiring. Chicago, right? Yeah, still yep. in Chicago. I don't say that in the condescending... There is a condescending, condescending <laughs> way to say that, excuse me. You know what I mean? Like, there's this L.A. judgment. Yes, of course, Here's man. L.A. judgment. Oh, you're you're in uh, Chicago. <laughs> That's yeah, all yeah. you have to say. It's just like no, you're still in Chicago. That's the oh, the other the, thing, the, the backhanded you, diss, right? Good for a comic. You're yeah, still exactly. In still in Chicago. Yeah, but there's look. Drew, Drew Michael was making this point to me recently, and I think there's some truth in it, man. Because his thing was like, yo, everybody who quote unquote made it, and again, you have to define what you mean by making it in, in this business. Yeah, let's talk but about it's that. Like, he goes, right he goes, everybody who's made it had to move. They left Chicago. Left Chicago. And I was like, that's not true. And I was kind of being contrarian. And he was just like, name one person. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, per- present company excluded. Because <laughs> I was in the car. And I was like, Junior Stopka. <laughs> I don't know who that is. You don't know Junior Stopka, dude? No. Junior was like... Uncle Lair? I know lo- there are a lot of lo- know, right? There's a bunch legends. of like the local legends. Yeah. yeah. No, but Junior is probably the one guy who's like been there for throughout that whole long... Like, I had this weird relationship with Chicago Comedy... Which, by the way, there's more Red Hot stand-up in Chicago than there is anywhere else on the planet right now. Is that true? Yes, bro. What do you mean? There are so many rooms. Like, remember when we were starting out? Yeah. So imagine that times five. Five? Every night there's like three to five quality mics happening. Really? Every single night. Shit. Yeah, it's insane. And you know I love Chicago. The Laugh Factory is like, you know, just having random local comics um, do like Saturday night rooms and it's full. You know, I had this dream once. Uh, it was a very vivid dream where I went up to this, like, weird summer camp, and it was all frozen. This is almost over, by the way, because dreams are so boring. <laughs> I, I disagree completely, dude. Dreams are amazing. <laughs> dreams are more real than quote-unquote reality well, in a lot of ways. in the dream, it was so real, and it was beautiful and frozen over, and there were icicles. The, the whole place looked like a, like Bill Watterson said, like a clean piece of white paper. You know, it was just endless possibilities. And every cabin was a different comedy room. There was no industry. There was nothing but just pure comedy. And I looked at my set list in the dream and it had all these bits that they weren't real. You were in comedy heaven is what you're saying? I was in comedy. I went to comedy heaven. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had a dream. <laughs> Pete Holmes went to comedy heaven. I went there. Please tell us how it was. On dude. the astral plane. I Most visited. of us have only been to comedy hell. My uh, we've all been to comedy hell. You and I have been to comedy hell together oh my God, that's for many right. times. Oh, for, that's I mean, not, not, not any specific no. show, but we were in the trenches together. <laughs> we and then I, we had some fun times. But you're describing <laughs> well, no, something like dream, that. Oh, I was looking at my set list. And, and it's so funny how your brain can trigger a part of you that, that feels this way. Because you're looking at the bits. And you don't recognize them, but you go, oh, these are all the bits that you did once or twice and then you forgot about them. And they're back on this one sheet of paper. You know that feeling when you're like oh, – No, but in your estimation, were they good bits? They were worked? good bits. Yeah, that's the thing. They're they like were these babies. amazing bits. They're aborted babies. Bro. They were aborted bit babies. They're and there they babies. were back. Oh, he's, he's just like heaven. Yeah. The dead, yeah. The the dead, dead were there. there the dead, like, <laughs> to welcome you. <laughs> and I, I would go up. you abandoned after two shitty that's open mics. That's it. That's it. Why did you do Why this to me? I could have been your closer. <laughs> I could have been. I could have cured comedy cancer. That's right. That's hilarious. That's fantastic. That's a funny, funny. That's joke. a good premise. Uh, but anyway, I, I just performed in these little cabins, and it wasn't like white hot rooms. It was about the purity of who was the in the crap. cabins. 
I don't really remember. I just remember I could bounce from cabin wow. to cabin. And you felt euphoric. It was a positive It feeling. was a very – I woke up and I felt euphoria. I felt and you, do you remember euphoric. doing the bits? These I did the bits and then I remember, you know, because I can kind of get lucid. I was like, I got to remember these bits. Yeah, right. These you were, you were delivering lines, doing jokes, killing, so that, punch you know, lines, writing I, jokes. I have a feeling because I've done it before where you wake up and you're like, I got to remember you put the bread in the toaster, not the toaster over the bread. And it's like, is that really funny? Yeah, I don't okay. know. No, like ideas. But you're telling me – exactly, ideas. But you're telling me that Chicago has a real a Chicago, heaven on earth. So, yeah, right now – yeah. I, I, I don't want to over – I don't want to overhype it. Yeah. Okay? I tend yeah, to have, I have a tendency to overhype things. <laughs> so being a cognizant of that overhyping tendency – Yeah. I mean, I travel a lot, right? I've seen a lot of stand-up scenes, not only, not only around America, around the world. Really? And stand-up in Chicago right now is red hot, and industry is sleeping on Chicago like crazy. Yeah. And so there's just but isn't be a that part of, of what amazing... makes it great? Yes. It's like the incubation system. Yes. I understand that a fellow like you, you've been doing comedy what 15 years? Yeah, man, 15, 16 in a couple months. Yeah, yeah there you go. Do you know what was your first set? What do you? Well, what is the anniversary? I've or... been trying to figure this out, man, because I started writing jokes in 2000. With the intention to go to an open mic. I met you at the Lion's Den. I remember this distinctly. Yeah, it was August 2001. Was it? That's when I started going. Okay. Or it wasn't even August. It was. A, I moved there in August. September, October, I probably got okay, the balls Okay, so then I go. probably remember meeting you there, but I remember going there several times before I finally had the balls to go up. Wait a minute. It couldn't have been because 9-11 happened after I was there. So after it had to be August. I had to have started yeah. going in August because I think that's probably right. we yeah. were there and it was great and then 9-11 happened. <laughs> and then it was a little less great. It was a little weird, though, especially seeing <laughs> it was, you. It was I definitely mean, a little get less out great of there. <laughs> it was a little less great for me. <laughs> and Kumail, I remember Well, Kumail you know, Kumail was my dear friend. Is yeah, obviously my best friend, yeah, no, one of my yeah, best yeah. friends. Yeah. And at the time, he would get uh, go back to – they would always say the wrong one. Yeah, they would never say they'd say go back to Afghanistan, so, and he was like, or go back to Iraq, which kind of rhymes, you know. Good, it's, it's making a comeback, right decent now. That, that, that type of go back to Iraq. That type of heckle is making a comeback. Unfortunately, it breaks my heart. I hope you're kidding. <laughs> I mean, nobody. I, I hope I'm kidding. I mean, you if, hope I'm kidding about you specifically I mean, getting heckled in that well, way. I mean, dude, depending on where I am in the country, obviously there's you know different. I mean, in general, I don't know why. I just assume entered, you're so funny. It seems yeah, nobody to me heckles like you, me. No one would yell that out. Yeah, it's true. I don't get heckled regularly, but I'm saying if that you were an open micer a a, in a roundy you're bar, right. maybe right. you would right. still. Then that breaks huh. my heart. Yeah, but you were. I mean, let's. I, I'm not even saying this to you as my Muslim friend. I'm saying this because this. <laughs> this the quota. <laughs> you're the third Muslim I've had on in, in two months. <laughs> Really? That's true. Well, Hassan and then who else? Hassan Minaj did it and Reza Aslan. Oh, Reza Aslan did yeah. your podcast? I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, yeah, I made yeah, the same. I made the mistake his... both times of asking, you're married, why don't you have beards? I'm so embarrassed. He's like, that's more of a Saudi Arabian thing. <laughs> what does getting married have to do with that? I used beard? to think that was one of my little fun <laughs> facts for Muslims was that that's... the men grew beards when they were married. Like it was like I think a ring. You made that up or you read that yeah. somewhere? You know what that's it is? That's fake news. It's fake news. Ah! It's alternative facts. <laughs> it's fake news, yeah. yeah. Dude, I think I'm But now here I, I'm not news. even saying that to you. I'm, I'm saying yeah. I wish I hadn't done that. But here it's you so are. Fun. You're third in, in as many weeks. There you go, man. Wow. Yeah. So, well, good for you for figuring out <laughs> that's what I was that, searching that's for. the conversation America has been kind of ignoring. Right. Well, let's and, start with 9-11 because it kind of, you know, it yeah, starts there. Yeah, that's when you and I, yeah. Well, this all was a branch of when I started in stand-up, right? So yeah. I started definitely before 9-11. I think it was either 29. the tail end of 2000 or early 2001 was the first. I went to, up at an open mic in uh, in the Starbucks in Hyde Park. Okay. And it was inside of, inside of a Barnes & Noble. 
There was uh-huh. a Starbucks located in a Barnes and Noble, and they had like this music open mic. Hyde Park. That's not. I don't know the neighbors that well. Hyde that's Park not is where by, the like, movie theater is. Um, there's a movie is there a movie theater by that Barnes and Noble? Um, I don't. Okay. Think so, and I don't recall. Was there a pot belly across the street? I don't recall <laughs> that either. I, li- I lived in Hyde Park at the time. My, my wife worked at a Barnes and Noble in Chicago. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was, I was living in Hyde Park because my wife was in law school at the University of Chicago. Uh huh. Uh huh. In fact, she was a student of Barack Obama. Is that which right? Was really cool. I got to meet Barack Obama. What do you mean? Yeah, he was running for um, state senate or whatever at the uh-huh. time. And I'd, I'd always heard of him from my wife as Professor Obama. What? And she, she took constitutional law with them. She took a class actually called Race and the Law, which is kind of cool. That From Obama? From Obama. President Obama was her professor. She's just calling him Barry. Yeah, Thanks, Bear. Uh, professor, professor Obama. That's what, so I kept hearing about him. I helped write her paper that she got an A-plus on for the Race and the Law class. So, Written so, in Obama's hand? <laughs> an A-plus? Yeah, that's true. It probably exists somewhere. you got to find it. My wife is like anti-junk collector, so she might have thrown it out, though. Junk? Yeah. Before, we should bronze that paper. Know, Although she didn't know. Nobody knew. She just thought yeah. it was Professor That's Obama. the point. So I met him when he was just... Yo, Mr. O. Mr. O. When are those office hours? Sorry I'm late. <laughs> wow. I don't know why we talk black when we talk to you. <laughs> I was picturing Travolta kind of Puerto Rican. Okay, right. Kind of welcome character. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back, Cotter. Hey, man. Mr. Rowe. Mr. Rowe. But it did. It, it You're le- going to be the president one day. I believe in you, O. I believe in you. And then Beyonce's Halo starts playing. <laughs> this is for you, Mr. Rowe. Is this funny? I, I think this is. I, you give God of O. I think this is funny. Like I think Obama was such a big historical phenomenon. That he should be able Obamanon. to. Just, he was an Obamanon, indeed. He sh- <laughs> <laughs> Is this one of those podcast Pete Holmes t shirt ideas? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Obamanon. Something like an Obamanon. <laughs> Something like an Obamanon? That's not bad, dude. That's yeah, not bad. I don't know. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a it, just, it just makes people sad now. Yeah. Literally, I, I was just talking with uh, Judd Apatow, uh, which was. Still, Little name dropping. Go ahead. I know, I was just going to say, Go still. Ahead. It's very, not like you fucking work with him. Uh, uh, HBO and Still very cool that I get to say that. And he he so was talking dope, about dude. how he does his Obama bits. He has these Obama bits. And it, it just, like we were in San Francisco, it seems to make the audience sad now. You know what I mean? Wow. It's like, it seems so far gone. Yeah. And everything is, is very different, obviously. So you mention it and people are just kind of like, don't talk about my dead ex-girlfriend. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. It yeah. Has, I'm not even trying to be funny to people <laughs> no, who no, lost I get girlfriends. It, yeah. It's like, it's painful. It's a loss. It, but it's also like, isn't it also uh, a, a perfect test case in real life of what you're always talking about, which is being the now? Be yeah. here now? Yeah, it sure is. Do you, like, Attachment to the past. Well. All when, that negative emotion is sort of like, you can live in denial if you want. You you're, know? You're clean- He's not my president. Uh, actually, he is. Uh- <laughs> He is the president of the United States. That's like being if like you are a citizen of this country. It's like saying to your dad, like when I got mad at my, my mom, dad. I'd be like, "You're not my mom." It's like I did come out of your pussy. So I mean, like I am, I, I am your son. Just because you say it doesn't make it true. Fake news. <laughs> why did I say pussy instead of vagina? I don't know why I did that. I instantly. Why do we do any that. of the things we do, my friend? I don't know, but be here now. When we're clinging to Intention. how we how we wish things were, we're missing how they are. Unfortunately, things now for a lot of people are very. Pleasant. I want to believe, bro. I just saw that poster. I know the audience doesn't know you just looked over my shoulder. There's a poster <laughs> of a flying saucer, and it says, "I want to believe." And yeah. it's a very loaded, interesting image. Yeah, uh, it's UFOs, right? Yeah, of from X Files. So it's like I want to believe about UFOs, but the more 
mystic and yeah. fundamental cry out from I the really heart. I really want to see you. I sang that to Reza, too. It's the George Harrison song. Believe. It's like, I want to believe, I want to see, I want to touch, I want to merge. I think that's that's the nature of the whole thing, man. That's the whole game. But forgetting is. is part of the game. Yeah, of course. Don't forget. Don't forget to forget. Don't forget to forget. Because when you, you know, that when you're driving in your car and you realize, if you're me, Geez, I haven't been in the moment for one moment this whole day. Yes. Like, I woke up and I was like, ah, I'm running late and yes. I'm in the shower and I'm washing Completely. my balls and my big old dick. Not, pre- <laughs> not present. To- too much information. Not present. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get in the car and you realize and then you're like, oh, right. And then you feel bad. You're like, don't feel bad. That's part of it. Yeah. No, it feels feel good bad? to come back. It's all yes. about the coming back. The, feel- the feeling, the good feeling is precisely a result of. Yeah. You got along. I was just talking to Valerie, and she was quoting this uh, philosopher whom I forget his name, forgive me. But she was talking about how longing is the one thing that binds us all together. Mm. And that's very challenging to me. All living things long. They want something. They kind of have a craving. Not a want or a desire, but like a longing. There's something missing in everybody. Longing for the divine. That too. And then when you have somebody like Trump, sometimes you see what happens when you don't want for anything. And you lose your touch with humanity. If you can just go... Baconator, and it, someone puts a hot baconator in your hand, like you're you're out of touch with. Wait, so your point people. though is that Trump winning has been a wake up call to get people out of that baconator autopilot? No, I'm saying Trump put is them back in. Trump is in a baconator autopilot and has been for a very long time okay. as a very wealthy person, right? And then you know he's trying to relate to people who are longing, and that that you know that's a big reason why. I he think won. part of it is man. I mean, he's 71 years old. I know. I don't think he really understands, like, what Facebook is. <laughs> like, how it works. You know what I mean? So think about it from his standpoint. He's just like, but he, 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 he just became things, president. He understands things better than everybody. That's what he says. Right. But, but, <laughs> but it being completely real, right? Like, I read an article. He says he doesn't know how to use a computer. Really? Yeah, he doesn't know how to use a smartphone. Yeah. Hillary Clinton can't use a computer. She can't? That's what, I mean, Google that. It's... I can't use it. I don't know if it's fake news. <laughs> <laughs> On your phone, dummy. Have Siri look it up. Yeah, when Siri came around, I was like, thank God. I've been bashing this thing trying to make calls. I don't ever use Siri, dude. I feel I like who either. uses Siri? Yeah, who Some uses people, Siri? In the car, you go, Siri, text Pete Holmes. What do you want to say to Pete Holmes? Joke idea. Joke heaven. We've all been to joke hell. <laughs> and, then, and she reads it back. She goes, joke bread. We've all been to smell. <laughs> Fuck off. What are you, a Newton? <laughs> Exactly. That's why I don't use Siri. That's what I'm trying to say. She's pretty good. I don't know. So he's one, so your thesis is that he's been a baconator. I was just making the point. He's out of touch. I, yeah. But you were you were saying finish your thought. I mean, no, I mean just think about it. Think about it from his standpoint. Dude. He's a he's a billionaire supposedly, real estate investor, old white man. Okay, living in this insulated reality of ultra wealthy right. people for decades when i see okay. the stubbornness of and the atrophy of the average 71 year old man exactly that's that's enough to be frightening exactly <laughs> exactly. No, it's genuine here like we just it, put up walls and exactly. you're like and then i not, can't be learning about new music exactly you can't teach an old dog new tricks <laughs> exactly. and i'm half dead you yeah. just calcify and you go bring me a baconator uh, bacon in his case the baconator was bring the me the presidency, presidency. yeah okay yeah. and then his team went out his minions went out and basically did it yeah. I don't know how much you know about like how they actually won. I mean, there's a fantastic article about Kushner, article about Kushner, sort of telling how they did it. Really? And it's you know, a fortune, and and it was basically a tech operation. They spent hmm. almost a hundred million bucks on this thing called Project Alamo. I know way more. Way, Project way too, what? Project Alamo. I know way too much about Alamo. This. Yes. 
And they had, this, the they had this elaborate operation in San Antonio, Texas, and basically crafted the entire campaign based on data analysis. Hmm. So they would be able to target knowing where particular human beings are with particular uh, values, values and, and preferences and policy orientations. They would literally craft stump speeches based on what was hot in that town and that city. Or Isn't whatever. that what every politician does? Well, nobody has done it as as yeah. – uh, leveraging that technology as effectively and brilliantly. Because he has, had some very, very smart people going. Absolutely. That's a unique perspective. Yeah. Most people come on the podcast and they're like, and this dope picked up a piece of bologna, wiped yeah, his ass no. in it, threw it in the garbage, and yeah, everyone I mean, voted for it. Well, actually, it's it's like, no, you're dumb if you think that, because we all know that he did lose. You're the, dumb if you think he, that. We all know that he did lose the popular vote. Yeah. They knew he was probably going to. They they orchestrated a reverse reverse engineered how to get the electoral college votes. It's like a murder mystery. On, yeah, they man. thought of the ending and worked yeah, backwards. And then wrote backwards, <laughs> wrote the script backwards in real time. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be it's a button. It's surreal, there. man. It's surreal, dude. So they did data analysis better. He got the best people to do. Yeah, they, his- they sort of used business intelligence and data warehousing expertise on running a political campaign, which had never been done before. But how do you find that many super intelligent tech people that are willing to go, let's build a wall, let's kick. Uh, no, 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 but those people don't know any of that. You don't think so? They're just, they're guns for hire. They're guns for hire, yeah, yeah. of course. But yeah. at some point, even if you are a gun for hire. I think that that's right. Well, that's the moral. Then you start seeing the headlines and you're like, do I keep doing this? That's kind of happening right now, man. I think the moral imperative for, for people who are defecting from the Trump administration and from just being aligned with the Republican Party is sort of like, yo, there's a line in the sand. Yeah. And the uh, anti-Semitic temperature in this country, the anti-Muslim rhetoric in this country, the anti-black rhetoric and sentiment basically in this country, the anti-immigrant and Mexican sentiment in this country. It's just reached a boiling point where uh, at some point – You sound like a movie preview that some- I don't I don't want to see the movie. <laughs> At it's a time. It's called nuclear holocaust. Yeah, that sounds – that's what it sounds like. It sounds terrifying. Bro, we, I, I, I wonder about this all the time, dude. Like are we in show business and doing stand-up like dancing on the Titanic right now? Right, brass on the tie. Because how weird is that going to feel if like – you know, Walking Dead becomes real life. Yeah, in a few years. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I I try to be an optimist. I think that. But uh, I mean, the only real we all we we're talking about people, and hopefully people can unite and, and I hope so, act man. intelligently. I, yeah, I, I hope. I know we're talking about. But it's just not just people, though. That's the thing. I mean, the people get it. The people got it during Vietnam. Yeah. Right. The right. politicians and the people who control the instrumentalities of mass murder. Yeah. Are the people that are the problem. Right. And they have been for a long time. And then they convince us that we're the problem. Correct. Right. Or they don't even. You know, like... Uh, or they don't bother. Bread and circus. You can't... Exactly. Bread and circus. Bread and circus. So, so we are... We're, we're, the, we're the circus, brother. Boop. And so <laughs> we, we got to... You're, you're on crashing at HBO. Right? Yeah. We're the circus, right? Oh, my so, God. So if you're providing entertainment, right, to distract from what the empire is up to... Heavy. Then, as an artist, the moral imperative is to really wrestle with that and figure out, do I have a responsibility, A, and B, if so, what is it? You know, it remi- and see how do I discharge it remind Yes. Sorry to interrupt. I'm just excited. It reminds me of how I felt growing up where I was like, everyone who doesn't believe what I believe is going to hell. Yes. And if I really believe that, and as we have proven, 
with our, our creative works, we're creative guys. I could imagine yes. my friends burning in hell. Not not pretend. Like really comedy, viscerally. Comedy hell. Comedy hell. Real hell. Like rats that come out your nose oh and just God, fucking yeah. horrible Horrific shit. stuff, yeah. And, and grown-ups in khakis, taller than me, told me that that was true. So I would go... Why are you a doctor then? We should all be pastors. Wow. This is how like yeah, yeah. cults start basically. I or used like- to have my version of that as a little kid. Yeah. <clears throat> Growing up in a Muslim family. So my parents from India. Yep. Um, I was born in Chicago, right? Uh, into a Muslim family that was not particularly religious. But just like the default state of just being an Indian you had, Muslim. You didn't have a prayer rug. You had the mouse pad that looks like hilarious, a rug. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember my dad being super into like praying five times a day until yeah. a point where he started feeling like, man, I'm being a bad example for my kids. Like I shouldn't do this. Oh, interesting. And then it also I think for him just gave him some spiritual – you know, upliftment and fulfillment and scratch that itch for him. It is funny that when I when I think about prayer, I used to hear that when I went to Israel, you know, I was like, oh, the, the, I'd hear the call to prayer yeah, five times a day. And I was like, this is fucking a lot. And I was a kid who loved... Who loved it's a lot of prayer. <laughs> a lot of God. My God. And All I, right, God, I get it. God, uh, I need to forget for a couple hours. But I was, that's part of the game, remember? Yeah. Help me forget! <laughs> I was just praying... <laughs> I'm having sex. <laughs> it's nighttime. But I was a kid who it's lo- hard to focus. Who loved Jesus so much? I went to Israel to like study where he was, and then I was like, "That's a lot of prayer." Now, where I'm at now, I'm like, if you replace prayer with like quiet mindfulness meditation or whatever, I'm like, or, <laughs> some or, or, new age label. Yes, some new, uh, just a different label because yeah, of course, prayer sounds thing, like a chore. Yes, hundred percent. But praying five times a day, I'm like, that's that's a good model for 100%. a minimum. Reminder to stay in religion, touch with the traditional divine. classical religion to me is dope and it just needs to be rebranded. Interesting. With those labels. <laughs> with what I'm your Don I'm, Draper. I'm, in, I'm indifferent to the labels. People have a problem with prayer. <laughs> what if we call it mindfulness meditation and there's an out? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> We're tricking people. Dude, I'm with... sleeping on Mad Men. Have, should I watch it? I, I don't I've not gotten into Mad Men. It's my favorite job. Of all time. I think of all time. Wow. What, what else is on your top five list? Ooh, I like this. We're breaking up the religious. Is Sopranos on it? Yeah, is I Breaking think so. Bad on it? I don't. Yeah. Here's my problem with Breaking Bad. It's so I get so much anxiety watching it. It's not a go-to show. I go back to Sopranos, mm. but I put on Breaking Bad. and I'm like, oh, this is the one where Hank doesn't know that there's glass on the floor, and I just it's interesting. I but then it's like you don't like it for the fact that it's successful. Exactly. in drumming up the feelings. I don't like it in the same way. I don't want to watch Don't Breathe. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sure you're very good at yeah. scaring me. But you watch Mad Men, it's like reading a short story in the back of an old New Yorker, and you're like, Donald Draper walked wistfully down the Fifth Avenue oh, street. Wow. You're like, oh, it relaxes me, it calms me, it gives me the feeling I'm looking for, and there's drinking and smoking, so no matter what you're doing, Maybe it's too white worse. for me to understand that and relate to that way. Well, there's zero browns. Okay, then I'm probably going <laughs> to not last for more than two and a half episodes as normally. What is that? Well, what is your favorite show? Does it feature Browns? Um, ish. I, mean, I think Sopranos. See, the thing is, I'm sleeping on The Wire. Yeah. I'm sleeping on Mad Men. Uh-huh. I'm sleeping on uh, um, uh, Game of Thrones. I'm sleeping like, on Game of Thrones. I'm I'm the, I, see, the, I, I want to write a bit about this. Like, I was, certain, yeah. certain pop culture comes out, and I, as soon as I see it, first 10 seconds, I'm like, 
I'm never going to watch this. Like, I'm going to go to my grave hating this thing. Yeah. And I'm a hater. Like, I hated Lost, even though I never saw it. Like, I tried to watch the pilot. Yeah. Couldn't get through the pilot. I was like, I hate this whole thing. <laughs> I hate everything about it. And I hate everybody who is, like, lobbying for this show. You know, like, those yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's stupid because I, I do realize uh, I know I know I'm going to love The Wire. I just based on everything I've heard about it. Have you seen The Wire? I have seen The Wire. It didn't, uh, it's amazing. But I'm not – I judge a show that really gets into me because I, I can be a little bit obs- obsessive yeah. by something I watch over and over and over. Right. Sopranos and Mad Men is all I can really think of right now. Simpsons. I can't even do that for TV shows. I can do it for movies, but I can't watch TV shows over and over again. They, there's too much of a time commitment. I agree. A lot of time in the day though. <laughs> <laughs> Binging is a lifestyle. Yeah. Throw on the Mad Men. Well, I mean it kind of goes back to – We lost the, the – No, no. Plot, it goes back so, to what we're saying. Yeah. We're talking about spending five. I sound like. Oh, right. I feel like I sound like a Muslim father being like. I love it. You spend all this time with Netflix. Give me some advice. I have four boys. Ah, I have four sons. I can't even touch it. That's the other thing, by the way, where the fork in the road with all you guys moving to New York, LA, and I'm just like in Chicago. I was doing international stuff and started getting like this. Have you heard of the Chitlin Circuit? Yeah, of course. And the Borscht Belt? So is I, it the same thing? Though the Borscht Belt was the Jewish. Oh, uh, of course. The black circuit. The Catskills. So I, I have basically been involved very quietly and off the radar in, uh, in, in an enterprise that I would describe as creating and developing the kebab circuit. The kebab circuit. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been to... able to do stand up in like 28 countries. Yeah. Toured all over the country, colleges, whatever. Is this the Russell but Peters market? Kind of, but it's like even more niche. Yeah, I know. It's, Brown, Muslim, yeah. international. Allah made like, me funny. Allah made me funny was one project, yeah, and then just also just as an individual. But you're just, this, you're an interesting story. You should be talking to Terry Gross right now. This is a step down for you. Well, please, if if anybody at NPR and Fresh Air is listening to this, I, yeah. I love uh, Terry Gross. I love you. I'm in love <laughs> with you, and I think you're a national treasure. <laughs> I actually believe very strongly, man. Philosophically, I've arrived at this by being in show business now for a minute. Uh, that part of the problem, if you will, of how we got to where we're at as a country, as a nation, as a world, where the president of the United States is, is calling these news media outlets fake news, mm-hmm. is corporate media. Mm-hmm. The fact that six conglomerates control mass media in the United States, basically, mm-hmm. you know, it's literally six companies, man, Comcast, Disney, 21st Century Fox, Time Warner, CBS Corporation, and Viacom. I can't name six anything. <laughs> This is in my one-man show. I so. couldn't name six books. <laughs> <laughs> so go maybe, on. Maybe the first five of the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, oh. Numbers, Deuteronomy. Dude, I love that. <laughs> that's so dope, dude. That's tradition, man. Tradition is dying, dude. We'll get back to that. Tradition. Go to your one-man show. Finish your conglomerate so point. These, I'll write these down company, tradition. The companies that are manufacturing reality. Right. All the movies, all the t- film studios, all the TV channels. All the radio stations. Well, that's why all the I, newspapers, I like all the magazines, all the book publishers, all the board, billboard companies, if they're controlled by a handful of people, you know, that's precisely why it was so shocking to all of them that Trump won. Because yeah. like, dude, we have been brainwashing the public to hate you and vote Hillary for a year and a half, if not for decades at this point. Right. How did this happen? They can't make sense of it. Heads of tails. Heads of tails. Am I hearing you correctly that there's something kind of beautifully mysterious about that? Oh, my God. Absolutely. To me, it's like Trump winning is a proof of God. (laughs) What do you mean? Only God can make this happen. Such an interesting (laughs) off-the-grid, out-of-control 
just as random as a Big Bang. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, he defies expectations, defies logic, right, right. defies all the well, here planning, we are, all, the, all the orchestrating, here all we the are setting scheming, the table, all the plotting yeah. of life with the plates and the silverware, and we got the candle. There's a verse in the Quran that I love. It's like, uh, in Arabic, it's makaru wa makar Allah, inna Allah khairul makirin. They plot, and God plots. And God is the best plotter. Because <laughs> <laughs> God is the ultimate left fielder. Yeah. No matter God, you know, they say man plans and God laughs. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so our, the notion. That's our white version. That's, that's white version. Man plans, God, God laughs. laughs. So whatever the you movie believe. was sold out. <laughs> that's our. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Who'd have thunk a blue slurpee? Man plans. Should have gone with that fandango. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. The Lord works in fandangoous <laughs> ways. All these non non biblical. Neither of those. Neither of those are biblical, by the way. I think you know that. Uh, yeah, that's true. So, so anyway, the, but the principle being the idea that you know, if you put faith in your own effort, yeah, if you rely on yourself, and if you believe everything you think, exactly, then you have missed the point of your entire existence. Boom, hit it. So I feel like Trump is a wake up call to the world, man. Right. It is a weird – and usually our anything can happen are stories like Obama. You see Obama win and then small black kids in Chicago. Right. Like, I could be the president. But also anything can happen could be uh, – you know, I know some people are happy that he won. But you know, in my world, most people are terrified and sad. Yeah. So it I don't know. What do you think is going to happen, man? man? Judd has a really funny bet where he's like, what if, what if Trump's right? What if you? What if you just? You're like, I'm gonna lay low for four years. What if when you open the door, it's just like rolling? Hills. America is great again. <laughs> Everyone's America kissing. America is great. People have again. sparklers. It's Fourth of July every day except Fourth of July, which is double Fourth of July. This is a joke. No, I just had. Oh, okay. That. I, I What's mean, this joke? I, I I've you, done everything I remember of his. Okay, all right. You know, and then I think he goes, it's or you're gonna open the door, and it's like a wasteland. <laughs> it's like what you were saying. A nuclear holocaust. It's the Book yeah. of Eli. I don't know, man. You know about this survival of the richest uh, these billionaires under Denver um, I don't know where they, they where they bought the spots but yeah, yeah like under, Denver, up under Denver yeah. these, nu- this, these nuclear underground yeah. like bunker. way way under the ground you can Ooh. live there for 30 years they've been doing that, that for is, a long time have though. they look if you had survivalism though like as a thing in Silicon Valley but you're gonna love this okay I, I've heard about that's later that's yeah. later that, it's becoming more not just the Illuminati, or right? Whatever. No, now it's like a thing that they openly talk about. You buy survivalism, but here, here's uh, I'm going to drop some Eckhart Tolle on it. I, I, oh, I believe you're going to bring it like on, it. baby. He's so right the when power he says now. <laughs> when, he, when he says you'll you think like if I had money I wouldn't worry, and then when you get a hundred million dollars, let's say you have a hundred million dollars, what do you worry? You just move the worry to yeah. the next category, yeah. losing your money, losing your house, losing your health. Yep. Even if you have so much money. You couldn't Brewster's Million style lose the money. You become very afraid that you're going to die. You're going to get sick. Uh, the world there's going to be a solar flare and we're all going to kill each other. Whatever it may be. So it's like the, it's not a thing. Your happiness isn't the thing that's coming to get you. You'll always find ways. Your brain will always find ways mm. to rob you of that of that joy. Mm. So how did we get there? The Power of now. Yeah, well, but you were saying before about Trump and uh, what if he's right? What if he's right? Oh, and the also survivalism. Survivalism. Yeah, yeah. Those people are missing the point again. Exactly because they're they're just in fear. They're living in fear. Yeah, that's that was the big uh, eye opener to me. Is like so. Then it goes on from there. Like they're in the survivalist mode. Blah blah blah. But it's not just oh they have fear of some terrible political consequence that is like a nuclear war and all that. 
they're actually afraid in the podcast on NPR. They were talking about the survival of the richest. And the guy says these billionaires are living in fear of the pitchforks are coming. Oh, like Frankenstein style? I got this caught in my foot. Yeah, the pitchforks are coming. Like the masses. The masses are coming. This is why we. This is why I love a good conspiracy to be like fluoride being in the water to make us complacent. I used to have a joke about that where I go, I think the government's putting fluoride in our water to make us complacent, but I don't care. That's <laughs> a pretty good joke. But that's why I, I buy into... I, I told, I can't that might not be you. literally true. I can't fuck with you if you think all conspiracy theories are bullshit. Yeah. Because there's a difference between conspiracy theory and conspiracy fact. But theories can't be bullshit. They're just theories. They, if you look at them as theories... You just go. That's a theory, right? We well, could just you can argue against the theory and say I don't. It could believe not it. be true. Yeah, yeah. But, but the I'm saying that fine. facts are facts. Yep. And the, so you're not a fluoride in the water guy. No, I'm not a fluoride in the water guy. I'm more like you know. I feel like that's the myth that we told to to convey the truth that these rich super elite people are afraid of us. It becomes that yeah, story. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because that's a hard thing crop to say. Thing that's what the, I'm yeah. saying. It's hard to wrap your mind around the idea that there are these super elite, powerful people. Yeah, eight billionaires have more wealth than the bottom half of Earth that don't care about you, Supposedly. and that becomes a story that we tell each other. And what's a better story than what I just said? There's crop dusters, and there didn't used to be in the '70s, and uh, we're inhaling special air that makes us complacent. I don't know, man. I, I don't mess with those level, that level of conspiracy. Like I said, I feel like you don't even have to get into that. That's what I mean. Sure, because the o- it's an open conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> Every- if, if there's eight billionaires who have more wealth than the bottom half of Earth. Eight, that's a real yeah. fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. According to Oxfam. Yeah. And I've heard the counter arguments against it. But even if you accept those counter arguments, it's like, fine, maybe the number's not eight. But the ridiculously obscene disparity with respect to wealth. Yeah. He's just, you Ram, know. Ramdas had a great thing no about No reasonable it, human being would see that and be like, yeah, that's fine. There was a guy who made like $80 million back when that was like really big news. Okay. Remember when we were kids and you were yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's there's right. a guy that made $80 billion, $80 million. And they interviewed him because we used to have stories like that in the media about Hilarious. like, how can you make that much money? Like that? How did you do this magic trick? No, I did, but not even that. Just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and and Ram Dass makes this joke where he's like, oh well, I was I was, I was very stressed. There's a lot of stress involved in my work. And he goes, eighty million dollars worth of stress. And then he goes, you know, if you can't feed your kids, that's pretty. I thought stressful you were doing an too. impression of Ram Dass. No, that's I, I was like, that's doing comedy. comedy voice. That was the guy. That, he was, that was the guy. So what his answer was what? You got lost in the voice. Yeah, I, I completely. I was like, that's the most ridiculous Rob Dodd's impersonation. <laughs> well, 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 I drew off. I was like, what the no, hell are you doing? That was a Sorry, voice I got lost thing. completely. There's stress in my work. And then he says, well, there'd be a lot of stress, too, if you couldn't feed your kids. That's that's the idea. It's like, yeah, you have stress in your work. It's also uh, stressful when there are people starving to death. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what the answer is, man. I think that's a lot of the no. I feel like I don't know if it's leather heated floors, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, Though it might be. Well, that's my favorite Jim Carrey quote. I wish everyone were rich and famous, right. and they could see it's not the answer. Oh God, it's so good. And uh, the other, uh, there's so many layers to uh, keep adding to that that perspective, which is like everybody who the richest people on earth, right? Uh, Warren Buffett, yeah. Gates, they're all giving their money away. Yeah, like they've all arrived after having achieved the very dream that is, everybody is chasing. What does the Quran say about wealth? Uh, that it's a gift from God, uh-huh. and that one's relationship with wealth ought to be as follows: Number one, uh, everything has been written; destiny is real. Yeah. So every single penny you're going to receive, you're going to receive. Uh huh. Every penny that you're that's never going to reach you, it's never going to reach you, no it's, matter what. It's done. It's done. 
Predestination. Predestination, but predestination as it relates to free will is the whole kit and caboodle. That's the electricity. That's the charge. That's the charge. That is called human life. That's what it means to be here now. Yeah. To recognize that the, the mysterious commingling between your free will in every moment unfolding as it relates to something that has already been quote unquote scripted mm. is mysterious. Mm-hmm. And there is something behind your action that is truly coming from you, self generating, that is why you are held morally responsible. Okay. And so the essence of it is sort of like the best way I heard it explained was from a Sufi teacher. I know you mess with the Sufis. I do like the Sufis. So I've had, a, you know, I've had a Sufi shakes throughout my whatever adult life. And Sufi shakes, Sufi <laughs> like milkshakes. <laughs> a Sufi shake is like a like a Sufi teacher. A guru, oh, okay. A guru or a, or a you know people have life coaches or a trainer for physical See, health. Look at you trying to rebrand. A, su- a Sufi like a Tony teacher. Robbins. Yeah, Sufi teacher is Sufi Robbins. Sufi Robbins. There you go. That, that's hilarious. <laughs> I need to do a a, a, a sketch immediately. Called Sufi Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about doing an Instagram series called Sufi High. Sufi High, and it's, it's me and another guy, uh, basically ostensibly getting high, but all the words are just Sufi quotes. Okay, <laughs> sure, good. <laughs> I, uh, I, so it's I, like it's like <sighs> people who doubt the existence of God are like a school of fish that have assembled in the middle of the ocean to discuss the possibility of the existence of the ocean. <laughs> Pretty good. That's the whole... That's I the feel whole high. <laughs> you just gave, but, me, but, you gave me a contact, so, Sufi. So the, the, best relation, the best explanation I've heard of this whole mystery in one Sufi wisdom teaching is the idea that everything that God has created or that exists, basically, has a soul as something that's inside of it. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, the soul of, of action, sorry, sorry, the soul of knowledge to know is action. The soul of action is intention. And the soul of intention is sincerity. Okay. So it's like peeling away the layers of the onion to get to the real matter, which is the whole game is about being sincere uh-huh and if you can rectify your heart your spiritual heart if you will to the point that you're ridding yourself of anything that is insincere whether it's from ego because look at me i'm so dope which is like pride or whether it's lust or whether it's anger or it's funny it's reza and i talked about any of the spiritual diseases getting rid of that stuff so you can be in, a, in an authentic flow one would say some would say with god with your purpose with your with destiny yourself. with yourself all the time. Yeah, but do Muslims have the idea that there's a divine self, that there's something in yeah, you that's absolutely, divine? Yeah, there's a verse from Quran that says God created Adam and then breathed life into Adam. Right. So this notion of you have the breath of God inside of you. There you go. Is the Sufi or Quranic uh, mystical framework for the same concept of God created man in his own image. There is uh, a conception with me. I, you know, I, I'm very obsessed with religions and stuff. There is an idea. As am I. That, and it's been evolving a lot. You know, over the last two decades, man. I guess you a lot. Of, yeah, man. I spent a lot of time obsessing and studying. Where are you now? Are you very? We normally talk about this at the end. <sighs> yeah. But I, I, can I also ask before we'll yeah. get to where you're at yeah, sure, now? Yeah. But it's the idea of like when I think of a like a stereotypical. I'm talking about movies and the way that Muslims have been portrayed to me. It's this idea that God is somewhere else and that God's angry. <laughs> right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I see, I look to my Hindus yeah. and my Buddhists to be like. 
you are God. Let's love one yeah, another. Yeah, that's that, right. It might be. I do believe it is marketing. Yeah. But you're saying there's that exists in. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Islam. I think that every religion has that, right? It's a matter of religion. First of all, even the word religion. Yes. Has become. Uh, we talk about branding, right? We talk about yeah. the word religion is branded in a certain way, and has come to mean something particular in our culture, in our time, right? In our in our place. Well, Reza said it was like a cultural identity, is what we exactly. Well, religion. okay, well, yes, yeah. And but I'm saying if you look at the original meaning of what this idea yeah. of religion was about, yeah, religion was always concerned with a domain of knowledge that is by definition outside the scope of rational. Yeah, Inquiry it's non-dual. Exactly. I was just listening to Ramdas where he's like, the brain thinks about things. So you can be the truth, but as soon as you start thinking about the Correct. truth, you are separate analyzing Because you're going, I'm that and the truth is over there. Correct. But that's why I'm always talking about merging. Yes. But this is something that's very hard to explain in <laughs> our rational times. 100%. We want to build bridges. We want to build iPhones. And I go... No, this is something that as long as you're in your head, yes. it's subject object, and we're talking about a complete melting into a, a, what they used to say in the sixties, grokking yes, something. Hundred percent, right? Yeah, oh, completely, man. I would argue actually that a lot of this, what I call new a lot age, of it, <laughs> <ba-dum-dum>. <laughs> a lot of it, <laughs> Look, man, it's so good. We're gonna do what we do. Uh, we do. <laughs> If I say Jesus, uh, you can call me on that one. Jesus. Us. I love going. Uh, no, you salatu go. Salatu. go. God bless him and have mercy on his eternal soul. <laughs> I used to do that when we were friends back in Chicago. Uh, that's right. I thought it was so cool. That oh, you, my God. You were, never embarrassed. The you were never embarrassed that's to so love the prophets. That's so interesting. About, see, because I feel, man, that I've always been the same dude. No, I'm saying that. That's right, what I'm right. saying. No, no, but I'm saying that I had oh. to – it's been, you know, that there's a lot of um, – it's so weird because show business ends up kind of big like high school peer pressure. Uh-huh. Yeah, you better be an atheist. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or whatever the thing is, right? Right. But also, yeah, especially the religion out of you, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I feel like religion, you know – How are you, you going to comment on the world if you're still believing a fairy tale? Was right. A, was a feeling. I don't take anything you say seriously because right. you're dumb. Right, right, right. right. And I would argue that actually, um, you know, as I myself have just had my own, I mean, I guess we're going to get to it, but my relationship no, go, with religion go, 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 has been very hits. much evolving. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously I've spent a lot of time, man, thinking about God. Yeah. Religion, spirituality, philosophy, right? Dabbling in all kinds of uh, the new age stuff. Yeah. I would say the new age spirituality, the time that we're in with, you know, whether it's Eckhart Tolle or Tony Robbins or, you know, Ram Das or Ram Das is kind of more traditional because he actually delved into a tradition, the yeah. Hindu tradition. Right. So to me, he represents kind of a different school of thought within this Oprah Winfrey-esque, you know, live your best life. Right. It's just all you, about. You won't hear you Oprah that. say, yeah. and just offer it up to Hanuman. <laughs> you know, you'll never, never hear happen. that. Never yeah, going to happen. Yeah. Right. So, so. I would argue that actually a lot of that stuff, yeah. Deepak Chopra, boom, boom, is just remixing ancient wisdom. Of course, but well, so so but, but, our one truth, right? One exactly. Truth. So, are you familiar with the perennial philosophy? Hit it. Oh the my book. God, this is going to change your life. The I have Aldous Huxley book. I have the Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley book is based on this philosophical school, Philosophia Perennis. Hit it. Which is the idea. That all mystical, religious, wisdom traditions come from the same source and therefore every so often throughout human history, that same source would just remix it and unleash it into the world into a different form, yeah. different you know, ritual, different language. New marketing. Sort of new marketing. 
But it's all the same thing. Yep. Esoteric wisdom is unitary. Exoteric expression is multiplicity. Pick your metaphor. So I became obsessed with this idea and then sort of stumbled upon this teaching that summed it all up for me, which is that all religion, all spirituality, and all philosophy ultimately folds into four questions. Hit it. And all four of those questions fold into one question. Boil it down. The four questions are, number one, what is the origin of existence? Uh-huh. Or really, they would say, of the universe. Yep. And then the counter-argument immediately, immediately is like, well, how do you know it's the universe? It could be a multiverse. Right. All right, fine. Time, let's scratch the question. Was that your Ramdas voice? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Do, do, do. <laughs> question two. A lot of it. Ah! So, so uh, the, 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 the first question is, what is the origin of being itself? That's the first one. Yes. Yeah, okay. Not the universe. Because it's it normally it's oh, framed as you what's the origin of the universe. And I'm agreeing You're saying, that that is a problematic framing. Okay, where did it all What come? is the origin of being itself? Yeah, yeah. Do you mean awareness or you just mean matter? No, being. Matter. Whatever it is. Matter is only one type of being. Right. So you mean awareness. I mean Again, aware. If you define being as I don't that mean, which is aware, self-aware, yeah. then yes. I don't mean becoming be, aware or being self-aware. I'm talking about awareness itself, a thing. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. But it's not a thing because the word yeah, "thing" right. comes from the word uh, "rus," which is, means we have, uh, uh, a created thing. Okay. Okay. So it's so, not that to the being. I like what you said. Being said. itself. You've what given is, this some thought. What is the origin of being? Number one. Number yeah. two. What is the true nature of human consciousness? Mm-hmm. Because we're clearly experiencing something that we believe is a unique thing. It may be that we're full of ourselves. Maybe lions and tigers are having similarly philosophical thoughts and they're just communicating in their own ways. Right. There's nothing you can't express by licking your own nuts. Maybe. Right. Maybe that's (laughs) – I don't believe that, but maybe. So what is the origin of human consciousness – sorry, what is the true nature of human consciousness? Number three – why does it all exist? What's the purpose of existence and being itself? And then number four, what happens to me after I die? Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. all of religion is just commenting on these four questions Where and was debating. I, well, I'm sure you have the answer. Where in that is how then should we behave with one another? Why? Why does it all exist? It gives you your answer of once Morality, you know your purpose, yeah. then you can fulfill your purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And determine how to do that. Okay. Maybe human beings will just disagree to the end of time. Probably will. Yeah. As to how to implement even what they may agree on, on the level of purpose. But at least getting to that point is a huge... That's why it can be frustrating when people are like, my religion's love or whatever. It's like, that's interesting because <laughs> like God, we all have a lot of different ideas what love is. Correct. Right? Yeah. You might think it's loving to, you know, beat spank the hell out kids, of me. Right. Or spank. Yeah, to the Tibetan monk that hits his student with a stick because he wasn't focusing that's and if right. he was really in the moment, he would have dudged the that's stick. Right. Looks cruel to us, but to them, that's love. And he's saying, I'm hitting you because I love you. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's why they bow to each other after the, the good crack. That's beautiful. It's actually. true. I crack. love that. I love that. I've, I've met Sufi sheikhs like that yeah. who will say like, you know, there's, just, there's, a, there's so many of these like Sufi legends, right? They'll be like, you know, the guy's beating his student and he's saying, please, please stop, stop, hitting, stop hitting me, stop hitting me. And the sheikh is just like hitting him with a stick. And he says, in the name of God, please stop hitting me. And he says, you idiot, I'm hitting you in the name of God. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. But so, don't we see how delicious it is when you, when you hear a mystery, like when you uh, hear so something dope. esoteric I love it. like I love that? It. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so those are the four questions. Those four questions fold into one question and that one question is is existence meaningful Mm. or meaningless 
Mm-hmm. Now, if you really are a pure nihilist who believes that, or nihilist, who believes that existence is fundamentally meaningless, and the very question as to what its purpose is, is itself meaningless, yeah. then you have all your answers, right? Yeah. What's the origin of being? Who gives a shit? What's the nature of human consciousness? Irrelevant. Well, that's something I like to say, is, is no God is a great God. You know, you yeah. can go like, oh, yeah. no God. No God is halfway there, man. That's no a- God but God. <laughs> Ah, that's there, there. But no, God, it's a decent. What I'm saying, it's a decent worldview. It, it does provide. Oh, absolutely, it's very cogent, yeah. And it provides a philosophy. I, I've known very vibrant, alive, hundred percent that that own the moment. They're not trying to do it because. But I, I would say a lot of them are lying. What do you mean? What, because what they way? call they like the label atheist. Yeah. But when you when I talk to them, be like, yo, so. What I always find out inevitably, invariably, is like the God they don't believe in, I don't believe in either. Yeah, that's something I, we say. Some a lot man in the sky, show. you know? But uh, I completely agree. I don't think they're lying in the same way that. Uh, they're lying to themselves. I don't even think they're lying to themselves. Don't you feel that they're just doing the best they can with, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. with the vocabulary we yes, have? Because yes. what are they going to say? Yes. Do you believe in God? Well, what do you mean? Do you yeah. think I believe in a mystery that right, can't be explained, right, right. A, a non-dual thing that I can be but not know? Yeah. That sounds right because yeah. I've had some far-out dreams and I've, I've smoked mescaline before. But so I'm like, saying that that's the answer. That is a long-ass answer on a DMV form or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fair they enough. Don't, they don't ask for Fair your enough. Fate. But, you know, On a medical form. I understand what you're saying, obviously. I How do you it. want to be buried? In a way that appreciates the fact that I probably think there isn't a God, but there is something. Organic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bury me. <laughs> just, just figure just, it out. Or cremate me. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, there is a debate, right? Because it's like, even after you die, your religious you beliefs your <laughs> like live on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what your family does with right? your body. Yeah. So that's, that's that's the other thing to me. It's like, dude, every atheist said, oh, you're still going to get a burial. You're going to get a service. You're oh, your religion continues on. <laughs> The your parents are going to pray for you. Yeah. Your relatives are going to pray for your yeah. dastardly demonic soul Isn't that, that lost its way. No, I don't believe any of that, by the way. I don't think that – I think I'm, I'm very close to atheists, man. I feel like I, I spend my life in many ways kind of cheating on religion with atheism. Okay. But re- atheism, as I understand it, um, is, the, is an idea that God does not exist, right? Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that proposition linguistically because existence, the very word existence – in English, comes from a Latin root, existere, which means to come into being. Uh-huh. And how could something that Which presupposes was... a state of non-being. Right. Which is absurd for and God. How, how could being ever not be? Exactly. Well, the thing we're, the worship- very definition the of thing God... we're worshiping is being. Correct. Right. Necessary being. Right. So what, what, onto- so, you know what ontology is? No. Ontology is the branch of philosophy concerned with the study of being itself. Okay. So Muslim ontologists were obsessed with this question because it's sort of like what do we mean when we say god you know so what they arrived at or what they sort of worked out in a very methodical and and mathematical fashion is the notion that if we start with being itself what do we mean well we're going to basically now define three categories of being Mm -hmm. necessary being and the definition of necessary being is that being without which existence itself yeah is impossible yeah the ground of being yeah that is unitary, that is one, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Infinite, you know, beginninglessly, beginninglessly eternal, endlessly, endless, we indivisible. The art, we can you and I sitting in this room, yes. we slam it down all the way Correct. to we, one unit. Unit. Exactly. And that, that's how the, the, the Lazy source. Man's Guide to Enlightenment starts. He the goes, source. We need to agree that the universe is made of one thing in many different parts. You know, it's, it's basically exactly. what he says. It's so obvious. <laughs> So, 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 it really is. It's like you can't. If you deny this, you, you, you are gonna, you're gonna definitely end up, end up 
in an epistemological crisis that will be unable to sort out fact from fiction. You will go insane. Interesting. It's a door to insanity. Wow. So necessary being is the first category. The second yep. category is everything else that could, does or could exist. Yeah. Is, Baconators. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is, not, is, not, is, is contingent being. Yeah. Contingent upon what? Necessary being. Right. To bring it into existence because it doesn't create itself. Right. Okay. So you have necessary being, you have contingent being, Ooh. or possible being. Yeah. And then you have the third category, the only third possibility, which is, they call it mustahil al-wujud, which is impossible to translate. Um, they try to say like, impossible being, but I don't like that because then people say like, well, can God create a rock that's so heavy he can't lift it? Yeah. It's like, th- 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 those are, uh, then you're trying to imply there's something impossible for this all-powerful Can't source. you just make a rock heavy enough that I can't lift it? Hilarious. Isn't that impressive? Hilarious. Here's a rock and here's a Pete. He's I'm soft sorry, and I'm very, very weak. I'm starting to develop such an allergic reaction even to using the pronoun he yeah. in reference to God. Sure. Because it's so loaded with but gender we, what we're doing is politics we're turning, of our time. We're turning being into an object. We're taking exactly. music, right? Yes. And we're putting it into a word processor. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like la 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 and you put and it, it on an on. old DOS computer that's like <laughs> la 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 yeah and then you print it and it's like actually <laughs> it's worse we we print it then we photocopy it oh then we God. mail it to our friend and fax it, fax it then he takes a photograph of it and faxes that back and then I'm like, what the oh, fuck is this? It's so music, good. you idiot. Yeah. That's music. It's so beautiful. Can't you hear it? No wonder there are so many atheists. You're looking at a sheet oh of my God, completely. paper. And there's idiots like us going, that's music. Yeah, and they're like, like, this isn't music. And they're like, this sucks. They're, they're right. <laughs> yeah, they're right. 100%. There's us 100%. going, if I eat these mushrooms, I hear the music. If yes. I quiet my mind, I hear the music. If I fast, if I this, if I that. 100%. Dude, but they're exactly right. Right. Yeah, completely. <laughs> Everybody's right, actually. That's the big, the big epiphany. That's the other thing. Is everybody is right, given their starting point, their cognitive frames, their intellectual assumptions. That's right. Their framing. That everybody it's just, is. It's a right. better. It's a more beautiful way of saying everybody's doing the best they can. Yes. And uh, you have to believe that on in their some own way. Level, in right. their own yeah. way, everybody's right. Might not make any sense. I, I don't. That's why I'm not angry, man. At uh, you know, that's the other thing. It's like there's so much anger, dude, and fear and hatred in this country. I don't, I'm not angry at white supremacists. Mm. You think they're doing the best they can? They're trying. But do if I was raised a white dude in Mississippi, yes, okay, descendant of KKK members, yes, I would find Richard Spencer's, you know, uh, rhetoric pretty freaking appealing. Whatever empowers you, whatever fills you up, even if it's cheap bullshit fast food, and what you're really hungry for is something real, correct, and nutritious. Yes, you would have eaten. So this I don't blame people, man. I think that you know, everybody's understand. everybody's trying, dude. Have you heard the Life Sufi? Is hard. Uh, actually, it's not Sufi. It's rabbinical. It says an all-knowing God is an all-forgiving God. What you're doing is mm. zooming out and going. That's not a white supremacist in Mississippi. That's me with different circumstances. 100%, right? dude. And that's 100%. some mystical shit, yes. too. Yes. And we send that to Prague and get it sent back in a photograph. And, and I get when people is, don't see it either. And it comes back as a resist uh, poster, you know? It's like... Because <laughs> you go, I'm not a white yeah, yeah. I'm smart. Exactly. I'm liberal. Exactly. I'm open-minded. I, 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 I. The dirtiest word in any language. Is that right? Think about it. Because it separates. I, it's ego, man. Yeah. It's I, the self, you know, the, the being so full of oneself. Yes. To, to, to go, go through life thinking I am right. Yeah. And everybody else is wrong. Well, that's the don't believe everything you God, think. God, it's arrogant actually, man. Yeah. So it's like, again, but this whole thing was a branch of you said um, 
Islam's teaching regarding relationship with wealth. Yes. Everything you have is a gift, including faith, including including knowledge. Yeah. What about including, including understanding? Poverty? Yes. Well, you right. know what they say is sort of like every human being. Life is a test. Like the whole premise of Islam's understanding of reality. It's a test. Is that is that the answer to these four questions is what is the origin of being? God. God is a necessary being. Mm-hmm. What's the true nature of human consciousness? Human beings are what's called Khalifatullah, the representative of God. Uh-huh. They're appointed and meant to be the created in God's image, if you will, breath of God inside them, run the world, custodians of the world, given the keys to the Girls. castle, given to the keys to the castle, uh-huh. and meant to take care of shepherding this uh-huh. this this thing that's been they've been entrusted with. Yes. And part of that is to live a prophetic life of worship and obedience and morality and good and blah blah. And then you, the purpose of it all is, so that's what the new true nature of human consciousness. The purpose of it all is to glorify God. Mm-hmm. It's just a gift. And life itself is a test because, to see who will do that. To stop there, uh, I, because when I used to believe a little bit more in this way, I used to wonder why glorify the perfect thing. I know that's the wrong yeah. question. No, no, it's fine. It's, but as you're it's, saying not, that- it's not a wrong question. <laughs> no, I would say that like the, the, the Sufis say there's a beautiful statement of the prophet. It's attributed to him. And it's a type of statement that for the, the tradition, this is another dope aspect of, of religion, is that tradition, the word tradition means that which is handed down, uh-huh. traditio, right? So traditional religion has a lot more juice insofar as like, um, it's not just some new age remix came up with it in an in a advertising, you know, boardroom Mad Men style. Right. It's like it's got a deep... And profound. It didn't survive just because. Yeah, right. it, it's got a long. Just because history. someone got to the title "the Bible" first. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. Whatever you call the Bible works. <laughs> and, 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 and language, by the way, get, becomes a huge part of this. Yes, dude, I'm obsessed with language, man. Tell me. I think that this is going to be the next big question in the next hundred years. What is the origin of human language? It's already being called the hardest problem for science. Is that right? Yeah. For a long, for a long time, it was, can, you explain, can, can scientists explain the nature of consciousness yeah. if we're just evolved from apes? They sort of just never really came to a satisfactory answer on that and just sort of have ditched that for a deeper and more profound, perplexing question, which is what is the origin of human language? Because if we can't figure that out, what the hell are we talking about? It, doesn't it just... It goes in circles. Everything goes in circles. You mean why is it in our brain to talk? How do we know... That any word you're using right now, I understand what you are intending. That's a very mushroomy thought, but we, and vice versa, we and go, everything. As Ramdas says, we go around. How do we know I'm not you? As I go around pinching, I go when I pinch this, I feel it. Okay. I pinch you, I so don't feel it. So you so, privilege physical feeling as the way to know that yes. I can separate. Are you Morpheus, yes. <laughs> but the, but, the, but the, the, you're just privileging your physical sense of touch as your highest way of knowing. That's right. That's just a random, no, see, arbitrary choice, right? Yeah, I understand. It could be like, well, I smell. But it's, I a, to it's an instinct. It's an instinct. Right. It feels right. So I would say that now this is a huge fork in the road back to perennial philosophy. The big problem I have with new agey stuff and then also just kind of the de facto default um, philosophical framing of modern human beings, modern society, is that we think of mo- you know, modern life as being modernity. That is to say, you know, running water, electricity, cars, paved roads. That's modernity. But modernity came comes with a philosophical school uh-huh. called modernism, capital M. And it is in opposition to traditionalism, capital T. 
this is a dope way to explain this idea. For modern man, which is basically I'm going to call modern human beings, part part of the gender bias. The the presupposition that, and the de facto starting point is we place our faith in material matter. That's right. What we know with certainty is real is only that which can be apprehended by the five senses, mm-hmm. smelled, tasted, touched, felt, heard, and we only uh, regard that which can be scientifically measured, that is to say biology, chemistry, physics. That's what we regard to be real. Mm-hmm. And for modern man, the philosophical question is, is God real? Is the soul real? Mm-hmm. Does the soul live on after death, etc.? So these are relegated to philosophical questions. Mm-hmm. This notion represents a radical departure in the way human beings have looked at and understood reality for thousands of years across all human civilizations. For traditional man, for traditional human beings, the starting point was, of course God is real. Of course the soul is real. Of course immaterial reality, which is infinite, is real. For them, the philosophical question was, is this shit real? <laughs> it was because, and how is this happening? It was how because, are we floating on a ball in the middle of space right now? Yeah. And two animals talking into microphones yes. that are gonna, that's going to be recorded and listened to You're by like, people. Of course, what the hell are you talking course, about? being is real. Yes, of course. What the it, fuck is all this shit? What the fuck is all this shit? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? We don't even know where we are. We're floating in space. Right. We don't know when this is happening. We have no idea of <laughs> an actual objective timeline of where we fit in the whole scheme of things. Wow. We don't know why. We're going to debate that until it's all over. Like, this is insane. We live in an insane existence, bro. It's like being in a dream and going, <laughs> of course, this is a, a dream. Like, like, this isn't real. We're going, the dream is real. And yes. Asking the wrong questions. A hundred percent. I would say every prophet was sent by God yes. to make, to send this, to make this exact, deliver this exact message. Right. I was like, dude, you think, as real as you think this is, you're going to be dead. And there's a whole nother world coming. Yeah. And it's way doper than this. Yeah. You have iPhones. You don't even know what we have. Yeah. So, but it's just like you either get it or you don't get it. And that's the whole test of faith. Faith, by definition, Here's, is to believe in that which, that in something for which you have no proof, rational yeah. proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You believe in on faith. So I would say people of faith are actually more honest, back to their lying, mm. because at least they're admitting where their cards are. Like, look, I'm admitting mm. that I put faith in God and prophecy and I've never met any of the prophets. Yeah, right. You know what? I, so I, I'm putting faith in their telling me what is beyond this world. I understand. With no rational proof. I understand why people get frustrated with faith, uh, believing in things that there's no rational proof. Yes. I would suggest uh, going back to the idea of subject-object and being but not being able to know. But I also like to think of faith as like not just belief. It's an openness. It's an active thing. It's an openness that those that went before me, Rumi before me, yes. knew something that yes. I don't get yet. Yes. Yet. Yes. But I will be open to it. Yes. Just in the way that my dad says beer is an acquired taste. <laughs> and here I am loving it. You know what I mean? I actually don't Sufficiently really like acquired. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It's an I openness. It completely. Because as, as you're talking, and I say this uh, – Obviously, you know I'm 100% on your side. When we're talking about obedience you don't have, you don't have to be. <laughs> okay. as a person, I don't mean every ideology you have. I Repeat mean, after my... me, Ashadu and La. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know what it means. Uh, it was like, was like, no, I'm joining ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know what it means. I mean, it's the thing. It's no God but God. Yeah. Uh, to be, look, I actually believe. I mean, genuine, totally genuine. Yeah. Do you play cards against humanity? I do. 
I was playing with some friends. Humanity always wins. That's <laughs> 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 oh, really good, man. So this is why I make so sadly, many jokes. Every once I, in a while, one of them is going to work. Sadly, when I, once in a while, when I play it. <laughs> ah, so what do you mean? Uh, I was playing the game with some comics, and this dude played a card, and it said, The Unstoppable Tide of Islam. <laughs> And I was like, how do they know? <laughs> like, so I've been literally meditating on this for years. Do you remember when the tide of Islam? Do you remember when, uh, when, obviously you remember when the cartoon, the first time the cartoon, not the Charlie Hebdo, the original, the prequel, uh-huh. the Danish cartoon contest. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when that was being reported on in the press, the world media kept saying the cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad, the cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad. They keep using this phrase, the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah. And what's amazing to me as a Muslim who has actually spent a considerable amount of time, I'm not a scholar of religion, but I've studied with real scholars of the religion around the world. The most classical definition of what is a Muslim, because this is a big problem, like – you know, for, for when you get into nation states trying to run theocracies or use Islam as part of their legal basis as a state, etc., sure. defining what counts as a Muslim becomes this like sociopolitical question. We're in a similar situation with Trump claiming Christ. 100%. Dude. And being like, uh, and I'm going to take away rights and I'm going to refuse refugees. Exactly. And so which churches get make the cut for exactly. which God, religious freedom? Which yeah. Jesus, God? Yeah. Donald, which tr- Jesus do you want to believe in? To Rob Bell's point, and this isn't a bit, he's like, some people get raped in the name of Jesus. Like, you know what so I mean? It's like yeah. weird, fucked up people. The are, notion that he was white is fake news. I mean, for sure. This is so, nothing new. Keep nothing going. new. So, okay. So the definition of what is a Muslim. So the most classical sort of broad definition that anybody has ever articulated that I've come across is anybody who possesses two attributes, which are attributes of belief, mm-hmm. they count as a Muslim for salvation purposes from a doctrine standpoint. Go. Number one, somebody who in their heart of hearts, irrespective of what they say on their tongue, mm. believes that there's got to be some power behind this whole universe. Okay, so okay. far I'm a Muslim. Okay. And then the second thing is they... they the second thing is just 45 <laughs> things. <laughs> and, are. and the second thing is they have to commit mass murder by the time they're 36. No. And, and the, Shit, I'm too late! And the second thing is that they show respect to the Prophet Muhammad. I see. Okay, and in the dicta, this is what I was taught... So if I'm wrong, you know, God forgive me. Uh, it says, uh, and it is sufficient proof that they're showing respect for the Prophet Muhammad if they refer to him as the Prophet Muhammad. <laughs> what? Because okay. it's like calling him a prophet. So I'm... That's the only thing people are fighting about, right? Yeah. Was he a prophet or not? If he was, you're a Muslim. What's the debate that he wasn't, though? That well, he the... didn't exist or something? Well, no, no, that he was not a prophet. Yeah. So this is the break between Christianity and Islam. Yeah. If Christianity is a sequel to Judaism, Islam is a sequel to right. Christianity. Just, you guys are Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. Yeah. So, so then in the Empire Strikes Back, it's sort of like, well, do you buy... That's a Dave Odd joke, by the way. Uh, shout out to Dave Odd. Shout out to Dave Odd. That's a great joke. I always love that great joke. joke. Yeah. And he was like, Mormonism is it's the weird gonna, Ewok movie. Yeah, the weird Star, Star Trek. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're over here like, Star Trek is great. Yeah, it's such a great idea. No, I think it was like... Shout out to Dave Odd. Yeah, shout out to Dave Odd. I think he's 
still I've quoted great. that bit a number of times. It's a great I, I always cite him. I always cite him. Uh, full understanding. Keep going. So um, there's a comedy. You just have style. to refer to him as yeah. You the just the problem because it's showing because that's the whole our debate. Yeah. This man shows up in Arabia. He's like, yo, I'm the last prophet. All these dudes you guys know about, you read about in your books, Jesus, Moses before him, Abraham, going all the way back to time immemorial, Adam himself, and everything in between. Um, he said the prophet uh, Muhammad is attributed to have said this statement, which is a beautiful metaphor. He said, prophecy is like this beautiful building that people come from all around to admire, but it has one missing brick. Mm. I am that brick. Oh shit! So it's like some dropping bars and drop, yeah, yeah, drop yeah. The that mic, was drop them. He he definitely has a lot of drop the mic statements. That is like a it's like a beautiful rap lyric. It's, yeah, it's, very, <laughs> it's very mystical. A lot of stuff he said is very deeply mystical. Man, actions are but by intention. Actions are merely intentions. Yeah, it's like the core. It's teaching like Wayne of, Dwyer. It's the core teaching of Islam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actions I, are by intention. In fact, it's even more poetic. It's impossible to translate it. Yeah. So he says in the Arabic, it's like inna a'malu binniyat. This is back to this idea that the thing that actually is the essence of your action yeah. is only your intention. Yeah. And what is intention? And what is intention? It's, it's like awareness. It's, it's, like a weird... it's awareness. It, they would say that the heart is the seat of intention. Yeah. Is the, is the factory of intention. Right. And really all you're doing all day is just manufacturing intentions. Right. And we don't mean the emotional romantic heart we're talking about. No, no, the spiritual, spiritual heart. heart. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, well let's, let's address the uh... – <sighs> I'm man, trying to represent is, the man, viewers. This podcast is exhausting, bro. It's a godcast. It's a god. Zach Galifianakis joke. Doom, doom. I'll just be telling other people's jokes tonight. Uh, it's also the daytime. Um, <laughs> so let's address this. Fake news. When you talk about glorifying God and being obedient, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's all about morality. Where does stoning a gay person come in? Yeah, right, right. And I, you know, that's what yeah, I was no, going to no, say course, when yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm here with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's and I know you don't represent. I don't represent all Christians and stuff, but like, I can't when people represent say, a billion and a half people. Right? Exactly. When people say I'm a, I'm a atheist. Number one on things people email me. They're like, number one is always a photograph of some father stoning his daughter who was accused of adultery. Yes, right. Or something like that. Yes. And, I mean, and, uh, go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, religious re, – so religion, if it's this large bucket. Body. Body. Oh, bucket. Bucket of like that bucket. has dimensions to it, right? Yeah. There's spirituality is a dimension of religion. Theology, creed, doctrine is an aspect of religion. Tradition. Tradition. Then law, sacred law is an aspect of tradition. What sadly gets conflated is, you know, extremist ideas of interpreting ancient texts that get reified and codified and like, well, this is what it says. Right. They're just literalists, man. These are people. Like Kumail's bit where he goes, it says in the Quran, women can't drive. (laughs) And he's like. It can't drive a car. Can't drive a car. It's like if it did, we'd all be in a mosque right now. <laughs> if the Quran yeah, exactly, predicted exactly. that there would be a thing called cars, Correct. and women cannot drive. Correct. Them. Correct. So the so, so literalism. The, you're li- you're facing the same thing. Yeah, I exactly. Every religion has faced this problem. Yes. It's a problem. What but about you? Te- get all lumped together. What, yeah. Is that what what about, one of my teachers to? has this great. He's a, he's a deeply spiritual teacher, but he's also a religious scholar, a religious man. He said, uh, you know, religion is like nuclear power. Mm-hmm. It produces some of the most amazing, miraculous things that allow modern society to happen. 
And it also produces some nuclear waste. Wow. And some meltdowns. And some meltdowns. Yeah. In Meltdown Comics. <laughs> Whoa. So, so, yeah, that's. I think that's a great way to sum it up. So all that stuff, anybody who's advocating barbarism in the name of religion mm. is a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> that person need not be. Need I not know, be. I'm sorry. I've known you for a decade, but I'm still, like, so happy that you said that. You know what I'm saying? It's right on. And I'm like, no, why, why, no, no, we're doing so good. Why, but it's so nice. Why, why, why do we have to, I'm, you know. Like, it's such an insane starting point to be like, well, I want to hear you denounce terrorism. Yeah. Because if I don't hear you say it, then I think you might justify murdering innocent people. Right. Like, dude, uh, what what the hell are you talking about? But I'm realizing that even I'm guilty of lumping a a very massive religion into one thing because I get very upset when I claim love for Christ. And people are like, uh, well, he's the guy that uh, made my cousin who was gay kill himself or whatever. Or like people who followed him. They're projecting. And then I go, or the people, like I watch the documentary Hell House and they just make a haunted house that scares the hell out of you for getting an abortion, for doing this, for smoking dope or whatever it is. And at the end they ask you to come to Christ and I'm like, shit, these people aren't with me. You know what I mean? Like, like, I'm on a different table. I'm over here and the food is better and no one's crying. When I I referenced earlier to the fact that my relationship with religion has been under an, a, a, an evolution for a long time. Yeah, tell me what you mean. You know, I, I think where, I, where I'm settled, you said, where am I now? This is where I'm kind of... Yeah, please. I'm just accepting uh, more and more that being myself, back to the whole thing, being at peace with God, being at peace with yourself, is to just actually say out loud to myself, let alone to others, what I really genuinely believe. Mm. And what I really genuinely believe about myself is that my lived reality day to day is that I am simultaneously – like everything that exists, I'm operating on an outward and an inward reality. Mm-hmm. Outwardly, I am a Muslim in every conceivable possible way. The way I think about it, the way I relate to all of it, the way I try to live my life, the values I hold dear, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Inwardly, I'm basically a radical solipsist. <laughs> You know what solipsism is? I wish I did. Oh, <laughs> I think you're, see, you're so into I philosophy, like, I thought you were going to... No, I sit there and I go, is, just wait. Solipsism, Context clues are here sol- to help. Solipsism is the most radical branch of skepticism, which okay. is a philosophical school. It's the notion that basically the only thing you really know with certainty is your own experience of reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So admitting that to myself is like, it's okay for me to say that out loud because that is my truth. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right. That's all I really can ever really, 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 really know. It's another mushroom with thing. With 100% certainty. Why would certainty. I lie? Why would I exactly. lie? Exactly. What is benefited from going, I have no doubts. That's right. And I know the answers. That's right. It might inspire your kids to keep going to church or mosque or whatever. I think that's right. But you... Fuck worshiping. We say this all the time. Someone else's religious experience. Correct. Correct. It's great it's to have the Prophet direct. Muhammad. It's got to be It's direct. great to have Christ. But they it's exist to, to, to teach this idea. They come so as God that we might love and fall in love and touch them. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and man. then get the fuck on with it yes. with you. And be in it. real. And be it real. Exactly. And be real. But be, be real, real about yeah. your doubts. And one, be of my, real one, about... of my, one of my spiritual teachers may sent me a text just last week, dude. So this has really affected my life. But he, he gave me some really powerful advice. And he said to me, uh, mountains don't need anchors. Oh, and then he yeah. Said, and then he said basically, basically, sort of like giving me this power, this this uh, uh, motivational speech, if you will, over text. Yeah. Like you got to do it, you got to be it, you got to live it. 
And then he, oh, I got to read you the last line, dude. Hit it. Because it's so dope, man. Take your time. He says to me, uh, this really changed my life, bro. And this is the kind of juice I want to keep biting and keep riding into my, you know, into the into the next sort of phase of whatever I'm about to come. I'm dropping a special. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm taping a special in, uh, in May, I hope. So he says, uh, you have to do all these things. And then he goes, then you can be a mercy to the world, mm. a drinking source of lifeguarding and life-giving water. Not another mirage in this desert. Oh shit! Damn, dude. who are you texting? <laughs> yeah, man, that's a dope human being. Dr. But it's Omar. not about keeping... so. But, but that idea though of not being a mirage in the desert, mm. I feel very strongly now more and more that you know, if a person is not being authentic, truly themselves, mm. they're out of integrity in some way, right? Integrity being defined as what you say is what you do, what you do is what you say. If you're out of integrity, you're whack out of whack in some way, mm-hmm. you are going to be experiencing cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. psychological discomfort resulting from the discrepancy between your attitudinal you your elements, your, yeah, what right. you say you believe, this is why we and love, how you live your life. This is why we love movies about like people that seem very pious that become snipers. Correct. You know what I mean? It's like, so, that was Phil! That, exactly. Yeah. Go so on. I would say where I've arrived is that I, be- I consider myself a believing secular Muslim. Okay. And I would argue that most believers nowadays are basically doubting believers. And you're a believing doubter. That's so great. I, I would say the doubts, I mean, I don't feel doubt anymore, man. I know what you're saying. but it, it, just, it's, it's a weird relationship with Most it. people I get the doubt. are doubting believers. Correct. You're a believer. How did you say? I would say I'm a believing secular Muslim. A believing secular Muslim. And that's my answer to like really. But you're keeping it 100. Uh, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm try- I, I, I think the goal of life is to keep it 100. Yeah. And to be aware when I'm out of, out of that 100 is what my homework is. But wouldn't you say that like shedding everything is is perfect freedom. And I don't mean just like Azhar walking around being something. I mean Islam is the vehicle taking you to the place where you can shed all of the illusions. I think that might illusions. be right. I think that might be right. And really I hope be so. I completely pray that that's free. Right. That's, something that, that's great art to me. Something that you – yeah, okay. Great Chappelle, art. Chappelle – okay. I've, I've spent a lot of time with Chappelle over the last – Hey, man. Yeah, so exactly. I'm a huge Chappelle fan. Obviously, already was. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> Assalamualaikum, brother. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum, brother. Hey, man. Yeah, is, I, it, is he in the nation? No, he's a Muslim, bro. He's like a real, real Muslim. Really? Yeah, he converted to Islam in the late eighties. Sorry, is he open late about 90s. this? Late, I mean, there's interviews where he's where he's talked about it. So oh, really? It's it's in the. I just it's don't one want of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's in the. You know, it's in, there's there's a, there's a parallel internet like the Muslim internet, ah. <laughs> and the, on the Muslim internet, like everybody knows that, like you know. Lindsay Lohan is about to become a Muslim. Like, really? I mean, all sides. The slightly darker web. The slightly darker web. All sides seem to be leading to that. Really? Like, she moved to Dubai. She, like, deleted her Instagram and just put Assalamu alaikum on her. No. Yes, dude. Lindsay a, Lohan? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. That's so So Muslim funny. internet follows all this stuff because we feel, I feel, given the unstoppable type of Islam joke, that, like, these, some, some of these people are just early adopters. Yes. Muhammad Ali just lapped everybody. Yeah. Malcolm X, right? There's a lot of the Islam has been called the unofficial religion of hip hop. Okay. Okay. So Who, when you start. Oh, yeah. Connect, well, most deaf. Most deaf. Tala, I mean, Talib Talib, he's not Muslim, but he's super oh. tight. He's got an Arabic name and he's super tight with Muslims. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Buster Rhymes is a Muslim and, you know, right. uh, Everlast, Brother Ali. I mean, the uh, public enemy has. What do you think members the appeal of, is? That were these people, most deaf, I don't think, was raised Muslim. Yeah, he was raised Muslim. He was, okay. Yeah, he was born to a Muslim. I didn't family. mean to assume. I'm no, just wondering did, if I did, and that's fine. That's what people do. We're wrong all the time. 
We have to be. We got to keep it hundred. I love you, Pete Holmes. And not all married Muslims have beards. Not, 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 definitely not. (laughs) Most of them probably don't. Actually, it's just beard envy. Uh, But you're saying, Um, I got lost. Me too. I was hoping you knew. I love your podcast, by the way. Oh, this is, look, we've been trying to do this oh, for I was like talking about 10 shit. years. I know. I was talking about, I, yeah, I know. I, I feel like this is a dream come true for You still me, live man. in Chicago? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Chicago Public Nobody Radio. Nobody can pop up out of Act Chicago. Act one. Azhar Usman. Nobody can pop up out of You're the Usman. <laughs> do you think I should move to LA or New York? Do you think it's necessary? I think it sounds like, well, I was going to ask you about the kebab circuit. You're, you're building a thing. Like the Muslim internet. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Oh, and you were telling me about Chappelle. Yo, no, 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 no. people are furious oh, right now. God. Don't worry, we remember. Sorry, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. You spend a lot of time with so, the greatest comedian. The greatest comedian, man. And, and, hey, man. And, hey, man. And so we've had a lot of time to just, you know, banter and debate and argue and about? talk. About everything but about art and God and religion and, wow. you know. Um, representations and you know just kind of like I'd say it's a shame you didn't record these calls but seeing as you're both Muslim they were recorded they were recorded (laughs) (laughs) somebody please let the NSA know yeah yeah can the NSA please release these CDs somebody at Wikileaks can you drop that clip (laughs) right before my special comes out I would appreciate it (laughs) you're saying all the keywords (laughs) Jihad, Allah, ISIS, Khomeini, terrorism, ISIS, Saddam Hussein, 9 11. And then, I'm rich, bitch! All of them. And they tap anyone that talks about your Oh show. my God, dude. Listen, man, I, I do see tell that. Me what you, FBI tell me. came to my house, dude. Well, we'll get to that. Tell me everything that happened with Chappelle. That's how cool Chappelle is, man. I'd there's rather no, there's talk no about way that. I can tell you everything, bro. Literally, Brand, I would tell you what, Pete Holmes. I, my, my career went this bizarre underground route. And probably because of this Muslim connection, mm. he felt the kinship. He was a big fan of Allah Made Me Funny. Mm-hmm. The story is that I recorded – you remember I recorded this comedy album? Yeah, sure. And like, you remember that? Yeah. Square the Circle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So I was just too dumb to know you don't do that that early in your comedy career. Yeah. But I had enough like Muslim fans who were like, yeah, we want – you know, we, I, I, You I, weren't the only one. I thought I could have merch to sell at live yeah. shows. There were a lot of us that So recorded. I taped an album in 2003 and I released it in 2004. Released them. I didn't release it. I just made co- press copies and sold them at you know the live events that I was which at. was cutting edge at the time. Exactly. And so somehow, some way, a copy of this album got to Dave Chappelle. Wow! So his sister, uh, uh, I think Felicia is her name. Yeah, Felicia got a copy of it. His brother's also Muslim, so uh, she gave him <laughs> this album of mine, which had a picture of me. Remember the comedy spot in Schaumburg? Yeah, in Scumbag. Yeah, exactly. That, that wasn't my so opener. It was, it, was a, it was a picture taken of me on that stage. I love you, Schaumburg. And it was, <laughs> I love you, Schaumburg, too. The Improv. Did you, go, did you come do the Improv there? No. Okay, it's a gorgeous was, club, man. Yeah, yeah. I and couldn't so, find the comedy spot. Hard to find. It was so, like in the middle of a parking lot. Yeah, exactly. It so it's not there anymore. Yeah. But anyway, that cover was a picture of me, uh, you know, big beard, wearing a kufia skull cap, mm-hmm. and on the mic. And uh, and so she got a copy of it. And she, he tells me the story years later that she gave him the album, and she was like, Dave, you call yourself. I'm a Muslim man. Look at this guy. This is a Muslim comic. <laughs> and so he's like, yo, I listen to it. And so honestly, man, this is a crazy story. Put it on, man. He quit his show. He went to Africa, quote unquote, which was literally a two-week trip. Yeah. He came back. He did uh, Conan. He did a Conan appearance where he did a panel. And then he did uh, Inside the Edge of Studio. And he did uh, Oprah. So the first one he did was Conan. Mm-hmm. So word hit the street that he was coming to Chicago because Conan was taping that week in at the Chicago Theater. Remember he does that once a, once a year? Yeah. So Dave decided to fly in the night before and do Zanies. 
and just bumped whoever somebody we could probably look it up. Somebody yeah, got, somebody got nixed that night. Yeah, sold out right away. Obviously, as you may recall, you remember, you probably remember this time because it was like Chicago was still happening. Jeff and I posted on there about this crazy night of my life because. Yeah. So the story goes. That was that, a message board we were all on. Yeah. So that well, the story goes that at that time, uh, Dave quit. He came back. So he did a show before he came to Chicago at DC Improv, and Preacher Moss, who was the founder of the Allah Made Me Funny show, the creator mm-hmm. of the show, mm-hmm. uh, he was an old DC comic. So he decided to show up there, and we were trying to meet up with Dave at the time because we wanted to make a concert film based on Allah Made Me Funny, and we thought Dave, if he really was a fan, because that, that's what we heard through the grapevine, we thought he might EP it or be involved in some way. Right. So that was the sort of commercial and personal interest. Yeah. So you know we're getting Hollywood. Well, you probably get real excited. You start those that list of performers that are Muslim, very impressive. Uh, that was on the show. You know, no, I'm just saying Uh-oh. you mentioned all those hip hop guys. Oh yeah, musicians. yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. There's a whole like you know. So I, I, I know you. You probably got very excited. Like we could get oh, this. My God, we could get this. Hundred percent. It'll be the dude. biggest concert that has ever happened. I started getting insane. I started That's seeing true. dreams. I was yeah. in comedy heaven. In uh, in yeah. Pete Holmes' dream. <laughs> so 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 anyway, to make a long story longer, we find uh, Preach ends up meeting him in D.C. They end up hitting it off, and he gives Preach all of his content details, which was a big deal at the time. because yeah. he had fired his manager, his agent, everybody, his lawyer. Yeah, yeah. He literally had a publicist, and that's it. Yeah. So then, when I find out he was coming to Zany's, it's like two in the afternoon, the day of the show. And I hit up Preacher Moss, and I'm like, yo, can you see if there's any way I can meet Dave? He's going to be a top. Yeah. So he says, you know, uh, thank God he, he, was, he was a real brother, man. He was like, yo, let me see what I can do. So then he gets back to me a couple hours later. And I'll never forget because I had a baby, my, my second son who was like tiny and I was trying to put him down for his nap. And, uh, and I get a message like, yo, uh, Dave says to email him and he's going to call you. Oh, wow. So I, I totally felt like I was getting Hollywood. You know, this like, is the new Scientology. This, if you want to make it in show business. This is like a Hollywood. Yeah, this is like a Hollywood. <laughs> I felt like I was getting Hollywood, though, right? Because that's kind of a Hollywood thing, right? No. Email me so I can call oh, you. Oh, I know what you mean. Right? Am I expecting Send him to call Send me an email so I can you? call you? From what I know about Dave. And that his, makes sense he was now. Kind, yeah, he right. was kind to me. He does. He won't remember, but he was kind to me. Uh, so I believe it. Yeah, but this way makes way more sense when you know him and all that. Yeah, right? yeah. But if you just met somebody and they're like, yo, email me. I'm going to call you. Right. Bye. I might get a call. I might. Bye. Right, right. So I, I, t- uh, I took the time to write my an email. email is yeah, I just a print. <laughs> I took the time to write like a thoughtful, you know, email, short but sweet. Made the yeah. point. And the gist of the email was like, oh, it's my hometown. You're coming through. I'd love to meet you. I know you just met Preach. So sure enough, I get a call like, you know, six in the afternoon, six in the evening now. The show's on like eight. Yeah. And a uh, block call, right? And I'm, I'm lying there with the baby, sleeping baby on top of me. Yeah. And of course, I'm on pins and needles. Like, is he going to call me? Right. Yeah. So like, and the first thing, Slob Lego. Slob Lego. Slob Lego. It's Dave, man. Hey, man. No, he said, It's Dave, man. Dave Chappelle. Oh, it's Dave, man. <laughs> it's Dave, man. Dave Chappelle. Like, as if I. There's another Dave calling me. It's Dave Chappelle. And then he goes, Hey, man, before I forget, my sister made me promise to tell you that she and I are both huge fans of your comedy CD. Oh, my God. I could have died and gone to yeah, heaven right there. Yeah, I was like, dude, yeah, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. I quit comedy right now. Yeah. If that, and I didn't believe him, of course. I was like, he's being sweet, right? I was like, right. and I immediately was like, dude, I'm so embarrassed. That thing is. He said, why are you saying that? I said, man, I, I think it sucks. I think I'm, I hope I'm better now. And he goes, he started mentoring me right away, man. He's like, you feel, you feel like you're a better comic now? I was like, yeah. He goes, I hope so. That's the point. Yeah. He's like, the recording just captures where you were at that point in time. Right. He's like, man, I got, I got old tapes and recordings about stuff I still listen to. I'm like, really? Really? Yeah. So he's just like, man, he, he's like, you want to? what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I'm trying to come to your show. 
So he's like, I'm going to get sold out. He's like, well, I'll tell you what, come through and you know, come up to the green room. And I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. <laughs> so that's how I met Dave. And that was, you know, and over he 10 went, years And it was ago. fine? It was crazy, man. He, oh, no, he asked me if I wanted to do time. You did? He put me up, dude. Want to do time? I did a guest spot. Kevin <laughs> Bozeman was featuring yeah, Murdered. Sure. And then it was a magical night of my life, dude. You did good? No, I probably ate shit. I, I don't. I don't remember. It was a yeah, roller coaster. It was a blur. So you asked me uh, what was what was it like to ride a roller coaster for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy, man. Yeah. But he was such a sweetheart. He's always been. He's one of the sweetest people I know, man. And you, came, you kept so in he, touch. Yeah, he's let me open for him like over fifty times, dude, all over the country. Really? Yeah, dude. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, and so I spent a lot of time with him on the road, and and you know just talking, and you know even on his tour bus or whatever. And so all those conversations, all of this was a branch of. Some question you asked me about um, um, about we got on this because conversations about art and uh, about shedding everything, shedding everything, being an artist. True freedom is true freedom, having absolutely no method. Being able to fly. when you look at uh, the Prophet Muhammad, yes, he's methodless. He's completely yes. free. He's just being himself. He's just he's there. Correct. And then we get methods to be like Correct. that. Correct. So I think we're agreeing then. Correct. But the idea is not to just be a, a, a mimic. Right. The Tony idea, Holy. No. Right. The idea is to embody the spirit right. and the reality of that life. Right. To then live your own prophetic life. Right. Hard to do. To live your own. It, it's the hardest thing to do. Right. But it's the only point of life. But then consider the people that, uh, you know, they talk about the Buddha reaching enlightenment and then being like, should I tell people about this? Like, you're in right. that state. Yeah. And you're like... I got to go back to the, the – I've said this on the podcast before, but it's like you, you, you're on a plane. It crashes through ice in the Arctic and you're in the water and the plane is sinking in the water and you swim out. And enlightenment is like swimming out of the plane, swimming through the freezing water, getting up above, sitting on the ice and warming yourself. You're, you're free. You got out. And then the teacher is the one that dives back in the mm. water. Hit it. That's deep, dude. Right? So there, I have to think that there are some people that get there and they're just like, that's not my thing. I don't think I'm a... I'm saying the real teacher and savior is the one who figures out a way to melt all the ice. Yeah, there you go. And save everybody. All the colors bleed into one. You too, please. (laughs) Somebody give me a a flamethrower. So you would watch... I just want to melt all the ice (laughs) and save everybody. Is that your guy voice? I don't know. I I liked it. So you were saying that uh, watching Chappelle would take you to that place? Yeah, and, and just seeing – he's a guy who kind of lives like that, man. Like he flies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's like watching a guy fly as an artist yeah. who is so free yeah, and has shed so much of the baggage of the identity markers and the identity labels right. and the duality and the naming things and the feelings based on – you know, uh, wrong-headed assumptions about yeah. others and projecting and yeah. all that stuff, dude. He's just a regular, a very down-to-earth, humble person who's very sincere, back to sincerity, mm. and just engages with other people on the basis of, like, you're a person. Mm. You know, there's, there's no pretension there about celebrityness. And and when there is, it's like, I know he's having fun being a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's enjoying, he even said to me, I'm living, I'm, I'm, I'm in that celebrity fantasy right now, man. Let me enjoy. I'm, the star, I'm the star of my own celebrity fantasy That's right funny. now. That's funny. That so reminds beautiful, me man. of when Ram Dass talks about showbiz. He's like, he takes, the, he plays the role of the adored teacher or whatever. He's just like, eh, it's, just, it's just a game. It's, it's just all a game. showbiz. It's a character, yeah. It's a character that. You know Shep Gordon? No. You should have him on your show, dude. Oh, yeah? Dude, Shep, you know Supermensch, uh, Mike Myers made that documentary. Supermensch, yeah. Yeah, he's Supermensch, Shep Gordon. Oh, I thought I thought he passed away. He's still no, on. no, he's still 
I thought he passed away at the <laughs> no, end dude. of that movie. No, dude. I just met him like in November. Are you he's, sure? Um, <laughs> 100%. He, he's, you should have him on your podcast. I would love to have him on your yeah, podcast. Yeah, because he just knows everything about how show business works. Right. And, and also how – He's in Maui hosting He's incredible. Yeah, I yeah. can't get him on the so podcast. So he, he was the one who told me. He's like, no, no, no. Everybody who does what you guys do, meaning comedians, performers, musicians, you have to have the character. Mm-hmm. And he said you, – and you got to play the character. Well, that's one of the reasons why I wonder if Chappelle or you – I, sometimes I think being a comedian, it can look like from the outside this like egotistical, very earthly, non-spiritual pursuit. But I'm like, the more I get a good look at who this Pete Holmes thing is, the more I can put it to the side when I just want to blend into the world. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, dude. It's my job to figure out who Pete Holmes is and then have him show up at 8 o'clock. But then afterwards... You know, you can't fuck with my ride home. <laughs> so good. Seinfeld called stand-up comedy an exploration into the self. Mm-hmm. He's like a Mr. Zen, right? Yeah. So I took that really to heart, and I think it's really honest and true. Yeah. The greatest stand-up comedians, right? What we agree, what we all agree makes them so great. Yeah. If you take a look at that very thing, it is a reflection of the fact that they've done a lot Sincerity. of inner work. Yeah. Right. They've, Richard Bryan could tell you deep. his story in five lines. You know what I mean? Like who yeah. he, not, not the narrative, but who he was and what he was about. I think that that's exactly right, man. And then when you start in comedy, you start going like, like when I used to joke, I'm the openly divorced. This was something we read Hilarious. in a newspaper. The op- me and Chris there, the openly divorced openly voice divorced. of the E Trade baby, and I was like, oh, that's a "Great oh, summary." I'm letting other people. You know, you're looking for your reflection in yeah, all these other man. people, and then you go like, "Oh, that's what they say I am. I'm, I'm friendly. I'm this. I'm that. I'm this. I'm that." I'm trying to find mine, bro. I don't have one right yeah. now. I don't have a marketing, you know what I mean? Catchphrase description. Yeah, nobody's it's, written the log line on Azra Usman. Yeah, you're the- and I have to figure it out because like showbiz is you know now becoming the next stage of my career. Like I've been quietly, I consider myself like an unsigned indie rapper. You're the splinter cell of comedy. The splinter cell. You're you're a cell of like you're Hilarious. you're waiting. You're lying in wait. <laughs> lying to lying in wait. Yeah, to blow up. Show oh my god, it's a double meeting, dude. We- lying in wait. <laughs> Oh, well, we talk about blowing up. I, uh, I this, this, blowing this, up. this bad I, joke is over. I know. But I'm saying, I know. I'm, fl- I'm trying to play like with you're finding flying the under the radar. We never finished the 9/11 conversation, by the way, because that ended up affecting a lot of my stand-up. Yeah, not but because I wanted to. Our... Yeah, but I'm saying me you as in a, a different. Yeah, I mean, I was trapped within a cognitive frame that I could have tried to escape and resist, right? Yeah. And guys did it, Kumail, Aziz, etc. Yeah, like no, I'm just a guy in comedy. But uh, here's what I arrived at literally in the last couple of years <laughs> by talking to female comics in Chicago because they always feel like the pressure – not always, but the co- female comics I had spoken to feel the pressure disproportionately to like offer the female voice. Yeah, right? yeah. And they themselves kind of feel sick of it because it's like, well, I'm a person. I'm more than just right. a vagina who right. has a period every right. month. Right? Right, right, right. I want to be able to talk about whatever I want to talk about. Hopefully okay? every month. Yes. And then, but, but then the, count, the, 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 the response to this – Argument was like, look, I, why can't I just be a person who go, gets to talk about whatever I want to talk about? Yeah. And then the answer is, okay, fine. We'd like to hear what you want to talk about. What is it you want to talk about? I want to talk about that I'm a woman. <laughs> this is what it feels like to me. So that's how I felt. Isn't that funny? I, I was just talking about Kumail, you know, rightly, I think. Not, not right or wrong. He was just doing the comedy that he liked. And then when it comes time to do the movie, you know, The Big Sick, 
suddenly it's, it yeah. is the story of all the stuff that he wasn't talking about. Oh. You know what I mean? It's like you start there. You start in well, he the – He did it in the one-man show about Pakistan in real life, right? For sure. I'm not – I was not Pakistan, but Unpronounceable yeah. was a very personal show, right? For sure. But then, you know, he gets the big shot at the big show. Yeah. And suddenly it's not I'm just a guy. This is what we all do. Wow. Look at me talking about Jesus, all this stuff. Wow. This, there was a long time of so being like – So it's coming out for me, man. I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy. And then yeah. you're like I'm a guy who knows the all the books of the Bible. Wow. Nah, I don't know if I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting, man. So you're doing the same so thing. So I'm saying I but and but yes and. I'm going to yes yeah. and you. Yeah. I'm going to yes and the hell out of this. Because <laughs> nine because of 9/11, I was always having to be the Muslim guy. Yeah, of course. I literally started a show called Allah made me funny. Right. So it's not like I was running from it, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The difference is I was basically putting on a Disney version of who you were. Yeah, like a clean, family-friendly show. I got a lot of young fans. It was like Aladdin, but you followed the guy at the beginning. <laughs> Hilarious, yes. <laughs> and what I started to realize, the more time I spent with great stand-up comedians, yes. is like, you know, nobody really wants to hear that shit, man. Like, yeah. Including me. Right. Like, I'm sick of it. Who is know? this for? Yeah, like, it's just, you're faking, dude. You're fake. You're faking the funk. You're being what you think we want, not what you actually yeah, are. Be yeah, be who you really, be who you are. Yeah. Say what you feel. Because those who mind don't matter, matter and, and those who, who matter, matter don't mind. mind. Not just Sue said it. <laughs> it's up in so my that's, kitchen. That's like life philosophy for me. For no, me. that's real. That's life philosophy. That's not like me. cute, oh, I have a Dr. Seuss quote up in my yeah. house. I'm like, no, that's That's, that's like that's like uh, Islam summarized by Dr. Seuss. Be <laughs> 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 who you are, say what you feel. Because yeah. it's really, in the end of the day, man, what isn't you, that everything? But what are you doing with people who aren't helping you be free? I understand that those people can be our teachers, these insufferable bastards that sometimes we're stuck with. <laughs> but at a certain point, it's like, I got I to gotta, I gotta fly. I got to be me. <sighs> That's right. a good question, man. I know. I don't think that anybody ever figures it out all, all the way, right? Yeah. Friction is a part of being human. It's just minimizing the friction. Right. And figuring out how to deal with friction. Well, as I said on the episode with the Stanley Brothers, I was like, and then also ask yourself, who is suffering? You're like, you know what I mean? You mm. look at yourself as the character in the show that goes, boy, I'm really suffering right now. Are you happy with, uh, with crashing? How yeah. You, yeah. How many episodes did you guys make? Ten? We did eight. Eight. Yeah, we did eight. Dude, that's amazing, bro. Congratulations, Thank you. Yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I remember when uh, when you booked uh, when you got the Pete Holmes show. Yeah. And then like just again, we haven't really talked and caught up like substantively, and we yeah. trade texts and sure. I love you and I care about you, so I would message you when yeah. big things were popping off for you. But just that experience, I would love to hear your insight. Listening to you and Kamal Bell talk, yeah, as two guys who both had talk shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. was like a cred- like a master's course. <laughs> because truthfully, man, like, the, isn't that the route everybody everybody who's on this Ferris wheel or sorry, this uh, yeah, sure, merry merry go round of stand up, right? It's just, a, it's just a Ferris wheel is a merry go round that stood up, that stood up. So. It's on its side. It's ninety nine degrees. That all worked. Ninety degree <laughs> rotating, like it's an inception. It's like a Mitch Hedberg joke. <laughs> It's like the guy that saw the carousel was like, let's flip it just once. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hold on. This is a Ferris wheel. Hold on. That's just a Ferris wheel that fell over. You can add horses, but I know that's the same ride. I should be able to ride both for the price of one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pass that lets me ride horizontally and vertically. <laughs> the horse go up and down. We go round and round. Sometimes you get a little brass. Ride. I like a Ferris wheel. It's like a merry-go-round vertically. <laughs> It's like a vertical medical round. And you get those horses out of there because horses are afraid of heights. Like, that's, that's like, We're writing a... Did I tell you the story of what I wrote a Mitch Hedberg joke? 
I think he's a son of a bitch. Yeah, man, you remember that, <laughs> I do, dude. I do. That's like a highlight of my comedy career, bro. He did it. He well, he wrote it in his notebook, and he said he was going to do it that night, wow. and then he didn't. Uh, and then I asked him about it. And he's like, "Oh, I forgot, I'm going to do it tomorrow." Yeah. And then, then he passed away three weeks later. Whoa! I never got to see him. Do you feel that you killed him? <laughs> I do not. That was a dark joke. That was a dark joke. <laughs> man, I, I, I really, honestly, man. I, well, Mitch was the best. We just he's ripped best, bits dude. in his voice. How yeah. clear is your voice? Oh my, he's an auteur. Yeah. It's not that we're amazing at riffing Mitch bits. It's that a he's Mitch a, bit is such a thing. Perfect. We have a bit on the show. We go, miss you, Mitch. Mitch, it's a thing? Because I've we've teased, uh, we've joked in the area of Mitch before, and it always feels sacrilegious because he's one of the greats, and then you go, miss you, Mitch. Well, since you said sacrilegious and Mitch in the same sentence, I do have to share with you one more joke that I wrote for him. Hit it. Which he told me, you should do that in your act. <laughs> so I do this from time to time as a as a homage and a tribute yeah. to Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. And I would do a show for a while with a rabbi who's a comic, and that show was called Laugh in Peace. And we did it like in synagogue. Just, uh-huh. So the joke is, um, uh-huh. I got a friend from childhood who became, who became a rabbi. And I was like, dude, I can never be a rabbi. I cannot live the rest of my life one letter away from a rabbit. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> I like that joke. That's my kind of joke. I cannot live the rest of my life one letter away from Everybody life. goes, everybody that we started with went through a Mitch Hedberg phase. Even yeah, if it was just a man. joke. Do you want to hear mine? You'll Please, pro- of you'll course. probably remember it. I love Hedberg jokes. There was a moth in my apartment. You got to do it like Mitch. And I was going to kill it. But my friend said, don't. Because otherwise, a gigantic moth will come by and kill you. So the, do you ever hear someone say that? It's kind of a false premise. But people would say stuff like that. Anyway, back to the joke. So I didn't. I spared it. Now I'm afraid a giant moth is going to come by and thank me. <laughs> Want to give me a big dusty hug? Want to hang out by the light bulb sometime? Big dusty hug. I have enough friends. I, this is one of so I know. I'm so proud of this because Kumail, who <laughs> is a dear friend of mine, but he's not the most effusive guy. You know what I mean? Right, he's, right, he doesn't right. butter oh, he's a lot of die. He's not dying. He said, can I, I want that joke. Oh, my God. Did he ever do it? Kumail, do it? No, no, no. You wouldn't it give it to him? It's not even that. It, I think he, we were probably drinking. He might not have even meant it, but I okay. took it as a high compliment. Yeah, Because I think he might have meant it. But because early Kumail could have done a joke like that. Like, it'd be like, now I'm afraid a giant moth is going to come by. And thank me. That's what Kumail used to be like. He used to be really. You're telling me what Kumail was there. I know, I I'm telling that. you, the listeners, that he was like, I'm oh, yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. on stage. Oh my God, completely. That's yes, full agreement. That was, you remember that thing he did, that thing about the cousin when he yeah. walked in on all threes? Or Isn't it in? Five? It might be in The Big Sick. I think it might. Oh, the joke is in the show? Yeah, I think it might be. Are you in the movie? No. No, you were just there that day. No, no, no. I, I ended up. I ended up being replaced by a British. Do you remember I was at the? Like, I know. Really, that was like a. That was one of those uh, brushes with Hollywood where it's just like you know, you get to have your peek under the under the hood. Well, you did the table. You got to stay in it. line. Yeah, you got to keep stay in your place. You don't lose your place in line. Yeah, you're getting seen by people that matter in show business. That's for sure. But uh, you know, I'm a, I'm such a huge fan of of him and the way it came out. Are you kidding me? Dude? It's got like 100 percent Rotten Tomato score. Like yeah. it's gonna be a breakout hit. I'm it's gonna super be huge. excited for him. Yeah. It really it reminds me of Knocked Up super, in the way that I'm oh, like, this is a, a star making movie for him. I'm super excited for him. It's dude. unbelievable. Such a sweet guy, man. He's paid so many dues and he's hey, such thanks. a hard worker. I mean, yeah, I feel like Brown Hollywood is about to pop, man. I want to make a documentary called Brownywood. Brownie the rise wood. of brown Hollywood. If it's brownie wood, more more people. Brownie see wood. It, that's it sounds like you get a brownie. 
Do you remember bad. when not I went bad. to not a bad not a bad edit? My you friend. no, I'm joking. Not you, me, and Kumail, and maybe uh, who, um, Vivek went to eat Indian food. And I was like, do it, guys. Oh order order it right. brown I style. Forgot this whole it's a big thing. deal for me. Wow. We also did a gig. Remember we drove to like uh, – North. We drove to – no, we drove to uh, – uh, oh, you know what it was? Uh, Marquette, uh, Marquette University Marquette. in Milwaukee. Yeah. And I did a show. You guys opened for me. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Aristotle, hi, air high five, bro. Boom. <laughs> uh, so your boy's been in the game that long that Kumail was – I forgot who opened it. Who featured. Me, you, and uh, so amazing, Kumail – Sorry, you were headlining Kumail, me, and, was and a lady. I was headlining. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really funny to me. But it was your audience. You I know, killed. but it's such a funny idea. Though, that to was me. when you had, I'm going to spread cream cheese with the sword of Allah. Allah. The sword of the, no, so, no, it said Islam was spread by the sword. Maybe if Islam was a synonym for cream cheese. Yeah, that's funny. And then I drew that cartoon yeah, of you. You drew the cartoon of me, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete Holmes, man. You're such a sweetheart. <laughs> I love you, man. Thank you. I used to draw cartoons of all. Thank you for having me on this podcast, oh, my bro. Pleasure. You've built an amazing uh, little thing here, bro. Well, it's not fresh air, but <laughs> I'm the one that's... Have you done, I'm, you've done fresh I'm air? I'm the one that made that comparison. I think I'm about to, actually. Oh, dude. Yeah, because of crushing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. Terry Gross is so amazing. I know. Man. It's a dream come true. I mean, what do you think of the future of podcasting? That's another thing I'm interested to hear your thoughts on. When will conversation go out? We might change the exactly, way we right? do it. But. I think that everybody's sleeping on podcasts as a medium. Yeah. Nerdus is brilliant to get ahead of it like this. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is going to be a very valuable it's just, you know, piece it, of business. It's easier to consume radio. And, and as we get more and more technological and disconnected, it's nice to have these conversations in your ears, I would say. To the people listening right now, hey, isn't this nice? Thanks for tuning in. Just want to massage the inside of your ear. People arguing about the existence of God are like fish in the middle of the ocean debating the existence of the ocean. <laughs> I thought you were going to say of water. <laughs> oh, It's like the David Foster Wallace, what's How do you water? Know? Yeah, dude, he's such an amazing... I know. See, that's the thing about geniuses. Back to earlier conversation about something that can make you insane, you know? Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm trying to... Work up can you that. imagine being one of the few that like really sees the code? It's either you kill yourself or, yeah. you, or you get killed. And that's why, you know, Ramdas makes the argument that Christ on the cross wasn't like, but I wanted to, you know, I know he was suffering, but it was kind of like, all right, let, I get it. I guess this is happening now. This, this is happening and I'm, and I'm, and I'm out of here. I'm going to drop this. <sighs> and, and then he's like, he looked at the people nailing him with compassion. Did you know that the Muslim belief is that Jesus Christ was not crucified? Really? Yes. Oh my goodness. This is a whole I don't understand why because winners don't get crucified. <laughs> Just like Donald Trump said, man, he's a winner. Uh no, it's the interesting so the Quran has this whole passage talking about this episode of the crucifixion. You're just reading the Quran and then it's like Psst, it's me Jesus. Exactly. I'm writing this. Exactly. It's like Psst. it's basically like that. It's like uh they thought they crucified him. But it was not him. It was you a mean guy. It, was- it was a guy who was made to look like him. This is the Passover plot. And Jesus was actually raised up to heaven. This is like the Muslim belief. And he's going to come back at the end of time. That, and yeah, he that fights sounds, the Antichrist. That sounds like another metaphor for the Christ. For he went underground. The power. Like his, like, it's like you killed his body, but you didn't kill him. That just sounds like a better, right, well, more that's clear. One, again, that's like an interpretation of it. That's an interpretation. But this is like, no, literally. They literally so, mean no, it. No, but here's the thing. What's bizarre. But isn't the Quran filled with metaphors? Can't we oh, just yeah, say yeah, that yeah, that yeah, was a metaphor? The, the, the hermeneutics of interpreting scripture becomes its own yeah. discipline. Yeah. Right? But putting that aside, this is what's fascinating to me is that there's actually – a whole branch within early Christianity, the Gnostics, yeah, who held the same view. 
That he didn't get That it was not him. Really? Yes. And you could Google this yourself and read about it, and there's books written about it. It's like this whole, like, underground indie approach to the whole thing. It's kind of like, nah, dude. Everything got taken over. It's all commercial. It's not the real thing. All this stuff is all yeah, but what is Paul and making up this whole idea. All that I see is is loss. If if he doesn't die, you know, it 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 kind of ruins the story. So what is gained that he was alive? Unless we're going to go to like a, a, a system of belief where it's like he is now like a king, and we need to worship his offspring or something. Like what what is better that Jesus well, didn't the, the, get? The, the, is no, it because he was tricky and he didn't get caught? No, like, no, ah, no, 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 no. He was a, he was miraculous. It's supposed. To, it's meant to reaffirm the notion of, dude. He started from a miraculous beginning. Right. His entire life was miraculous. Right. Why is it such a big stretch to think that? Yeah, but what's he, more, he didn't die a physical death on Earth. What's more, and he will one day. What's more miraculous though than dying a physical death on Earth and, and, and remaining to, conscious and then coming back to life? Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. These. Are, I mean, again, these are literally these. There's a. There's a. There's a Topic of discussions, yeah. a set of discussions and you're not that a, are never going to end. Yeah, yeah, you're not uh, the representative of this They're group. never going to end. I, I, I don't know. It, it just seems to me like it's like I can't follow a God that got caught by the Romans. Hilarious. Where Paul talks about Jesus being oh. obedient to death on a cross. It's sort of that like it is written sort of yeah. thing. Well, I mean the starting point of the d- debate is the idea of like, well, he's not a God. Yeah, is that – that's the idea? Yeah, he's almost – he's a prophet. Right. The whole thing that Muslims and Christians disagree on is who is the Jesus Christ. Right. And then secondarily, really, who is Muhammad. Right. So, so you said, what's a- the response? Right. Prophet Muhammad said, what else is there? They would say that he was either crazy. Yeah. Probably, same things that, you know. Lure, lie, lord, 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 Yeah. So instead of Lord, but prophet. Don't, don't Muslim, most Muslims go Muhammad is greater than Christ? No. Actually, on the contrary, there's a verse in the Quran that says believers make no distinctions between prophets. Really? Yeah. So they're all See, amazing. This is, they're all and amazing. I'm a, I'm now, a religion say, enthusiast. Look <laughs> at how misinformed yeah, I am. No, it's bro. It's fake news. We've been. You've, there's been a systematic brainwashing. Time or I'm going to give you a great quote that summarizes this whole point. Of where I'm coming from. You know who Meg Greenfield is? No. She was a veteran reporter for Newsweek for like 40 years. Was she in she, Superman? She, she was not. She wrote uh, in 1979. My birth year. Okay. So she was way ahead of the curve on this. This is a direct quote that I memorized because it's so dumb. In Newsweek magazine, Meg Greenfield wrote, We are heading into an era of expansion. By we, she means America. Mm-hmm. We are heading into an era of expansion in our relationship with that complex known as Islam. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. With that complex. With the, we are heading into an era of expansion with that uh, religious, geographic, and cultural complex known as Islam. Mm-hmm. There are two things to be said about this. One is that no other part of the world is more important to our own well-being now and probably for the foreseeable future. And two is that no other part of the world is more hopelessly and systematically and stubbornly misunderstood by us. Mm. Wow. Drop the mic. Yeah. Meg Greenfield. Shout out in the grave. She's killing it. Wow. 1979, that was the height of the U.S.-Iranian hostage crisis that yep. became the basis for Argo. Yeah. Right? So this has been around for decades in the making. Yeah. Like, yo, this relationship between the – which is the intersection of these civilizational forces. Is that your feet? Probably. Are you hearing that? You're getting excited. Almost. <laughs> I just want people to know <laughs> I hear it too. Keep going. Unstoppable time. <laughs> <laughs> so that that quote I memorized as a teenager because I was like, oh my God. 
stubbornly and systematically yeah. misunderstood by yeah, us. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. that's like there's an agenda. Mm. Why is it the constantly this programming, Hollywood method programming of like, my God, my whole life, you know, just movie after movie after movie of just bad guy terrorists. We can't, we can never catch a break. We're we're on the news. We're on the media. We're in the TV. We're on the TV. We're in the paper. We're on but the paper. But you know what's funny the is movie. in my, it's just like my God, it's just in, constant brainwashing. In my experience, though, I look at, and I don't mean to put down Christians. But I look at uh, the type of Christian and the type of Muslim that you are yeah. as being this sort of open to metaphor, open to doubt, open to non-literalism, right? Mm, yes. And I consider you and I in the minority of both of our groups. 100%. So we still have this long line of people behind us that I don't claim and that, that, that you don't claim. That are lunatics. That are lunatics. Yes. That I go, these guys, my guys I'm talking about, are bombing abortion clinics 100%. and voting in a, in a way that's very suppressive and, yes. and can be whatever. So it, it's, it's, it's yeah, great it's problem, to talk man. to you. It's a, it's a problem. We these need are, everybody to – Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't Every know group has its wackos. Yeah. Every group has its wackos, and no group likes to be judged by the wackos. Here's a weird. Are you afraid of wackos? Am I afraid of them? Do like, you ever catch your, me? Do you ever get like just in a movie theater, be like, "Oh, I hope there aren't like a like some sort of terrible thing." Yeah. What I'm saying is, there was this great Tupac. Yes. There was a great Tupac. I live thing. in society. No, no, I know. <laughs> but here's what I'm getting at. I, no, it's, I'm weird, more, it's a weird. I'm more question. aware of the fact that yeah, there's. There is uh, – uh, sorry, continue. Yeah. I was just going to say Tupac talked about like – he had that great quote where he's talking about I grew up in the projects and just because I'm black, I'm not supposed to be afraid of other dangerous black people. Mm, mm. And so I'm saying like you – I'm just trying to make more yeah, yeah, union yeah, yeah. between you and I. We're both afraid of religious fanatics, yeah, whether they be Muslim dude. or Christian or otherwise. Dude, some of my teachers are like on ISIS's hit list. Like they want to kill yeah. the people on this earth who are actually teaching real religion. Yeah. These guys are counterfeits. Right. One of my favorite quotes is like, uh, the truth and falsehood, it has been well said, are oftentimes and, b- and by design made to be virtually indistinguishable. <laughs> Just as the counterfeit thing is counterfeit due to its resemblance to the actual thing. Mm. So dope, dude. <laughs> really, let that sit, right? What makes Trump so demonic, quite frankly? Yeah. Is that he looks like a savior to these people? Mm. That is the idea of the Antichrist, actually. Yes, that's in our myth too. Hundred percent. It's a very appealing guy who actually draws people, who claims to draw people closer to truth. Hundred percent, dude. Not some guy that would make a better movie. You know, it's, it's like an appealing idea of yeah. the counterfeit. Yes, man. very fascinating. In fact, the name of the Antichrist in Muslim tradition is Masih Dajjal, which means the imposter messiah. There you go. And it, and so it, creepy, dude. A, a counterfeit $1 bill, we can only tell it's counterfeit because it looks so much like Like the real bill. thing. In fact, the less it looks like the real thing, it's not illegal. Right. That's right. Now it's just play money. Exactly. But it only becomes counterfeit when it's really Which is the essence close. of the crime. Yeah. Oh, child. It's a profound – yeah, it's a very profound thing. So that's why I have a complicated relationship with a lot of new agey stuff because I feel like a lot of that shit is, is demonic counterfeit. Is that right? Well, think about it. They're teaching – that you are God, quote unquote, right? Yeah. You have God inside of you. You create your own reality by the power of intention. You know, uh, you know uh, what's that? Uh, think and grow rich. Napoleon yeah, Hill, sure. who, by the way, has been discredited as like a massive fraud. I don't know. Hmm. Read Napoleon Hill's life. So all of these ideas, beautiful ideas, profound ideas, in many ways, irrefutably truthful ideas. Mm-hmm. 
And yet they teach all of that divorced from the most foundational teaching, right. which is the ground of being itself. It's like God. It's you're like, not God, dude. You're going to – Oprah Winfrey, you're going to die and go on a hole in the ground like everybody else. Right. Please stop with this bullshit. But her essence, that, that part is – Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. So that whole thing becomes an excuse to just do whatever you want. You're saying it's soup without the broth. To live amoral, yeah. To live amoral lives. And what, what what role does morality play for you? Do you drink? Do you smoke pot? I mean, Do you jerk it. I don't drink alcohol. I never had any relationship with alcohol. Thank yeah. God. I'm really happy looking back on it, especially when I hear you talk about like struggling with it. Like yeah, I'm, sure. I'm a very addictive person, man. I would yeah. probably have been an alcoholic. You'd you know? be a scary drunk. Yeah, right. You're a big old loud yeah, exactly, guy. Exactly, dude. Hey, Peter, Peter. <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you, you know, about God. All right. I'll tell you what. All right. We the karate in Arabic, bro. <laughs> Everybody is like asleep at the wheel. Religion is about language. <laughs> language is center of it because it's nothing more than a vehicle for the conveyance of meaning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe All right. I would like drunk Jose. <laughs> you know what Kumail said to me? He was like, you're always two drinks in. That's true for you, too. You're, oh, you're, wow. You already seem Yeah, like, yeah. I'm just kind of a... Which is where you want to be with alcohol. It makes you I lose. Just, it right. makes you confident. Yeah, no, I get that other people need it to feel <laughs> like they lose their inhibitions. Yeah, I understand. But I feel like, no, I probably should take something to have more inhibitions. But you right. probably, you know, the, the law... Yeah, the law, the sacred law, 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 alcohol. So you, alcohol, that's my relationship with alcohol. Now, yeah. weed and hash, right? By the way, Muslim culture. This is why I. I know, this is a branch of the whole. Um, I call. I consider myself a believing secular Muslim. Yeah, but it's always so weird to me when Muslims like moralize. Like uh, Muslims don't drink. It's like, dude, have you been to the Muslim world? Like, yeah, there. There's a lot of alcohol. I thought they were in, in Dubai. Okay. Yeah, in Dubai. Okay, or in Egypt, or in a lot of places where there's you know a, ostensibly a religious. Community or culture, sure. There's still plenty of alcohol. All right. Is By the it, way, Muslims is it don't do it, though. I mean, I thought they were. Like oh yeah, secret, dude. No, like, man, in some parts of the world, maybe in Saudi Arabia, where right. there's you know far more public morality in the streets because the state is trying to impose yeah. religious morality. Yeah. As a matter of state law. Yeah. That's not the case in you know a secular democratic country like Turkey, for example. Yeah. There's plenty of bars in Turkey. There's plenty of bars in Malaysia. Yeah. There's plenty of bars in Indonesia, right? If you want to get a drink in any of these countries, as any Westerner will tell you who's traveled, it's ubiquitous. Yeah. Right? So there's this obvious disconnect because, again, the lived reality, though that culture is predominantly comprised of people who believe in God and religion, and yeah. they're believers, and their relationship with it is that they're living secular. Yeah. Uh, same thing with uh, drugs. Like, almost as though do drugs. It's like, dude, have you heard of hashish? I mean, hashish is basically a Muslim drug. I mean, like, <laughs> it comes from that from those cultures and is associated inextricably yeah. with Muslim people, right? Muslims don't have sex. Like, dude, there's a billion and a half of them. Where do they all come from? And they're the world's biggest downloaders of porn, okay? <laughs> that's, a, that's a real stat. So, so the disconnect is causing such a gigantic, you know, um, cognitive dissonance. Mm. You know, it's like a spiritual crisis, man. Mm. In fact, I would argue, I read a great article about how ISIS and these violent people who, who turn their extremist literalist fantasies into violence mm. are doing nothing more than demonstrating outwardly how profoundly in doubt they are. Mm. They don't believe jack shit, dude. They're trying to create some mythical pipe dream of some holy... Of the reward and all that? That's never existed, yeah. I mean, dude, these people in Saudi Arabia, for example, are destroying the ancient relics and historical 
like inheritance of Islam, mm. the, the the home of the Prophet Muhammad, for example, which was preserved for centuries. Mm. Okay, homes of of uh, his wife and his neighbor, and uh, like these were historically considered very sacred places. Would like visiting the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in yeah. in in uh, Palestine, Israel, whatever. Yeah, and 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 nowadays it's just like, dude, they they have literally destroyed a mm. gigantic percentage of. Human history, mm. and 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 all civilized people should be upset by it because it's like a part of right. human civilization has been lost. Right, they're blowing up these Buddhist statues. Those have been around for thousands of years. Wow! So these people are enemies of humanity. They're enemies of God, of prophecy, and of Muslims. And by the way, the vast majority of their victims are Muslims. Mm. So the notion of having to apologize constantly and dissociate from Islam, uh, of people like ISIS, mm. is just like this exhausting enterprise for Muslims to have to do. Because mm. it's like, dude, who hates them more than Muslims? Like, are you kidding me? Mm. They're murdering Muslims. Oh, when you hear bombs going off, who's dying in these countries of the Muslim world? Mm. They're blowing up mosques, dude. They blew up a shrine of a Sufi saint in Pakistan last week. Mm. You know, dozens of people died. Those people are enemies of Muslims. They're not. They don't represent Islam in any way, shape, or form. Mm. So this thing is like you know not getting out there. Mm-hmm. This point of view, this narrative, this counter narrative, quite frankly, to push back on the dominant framing is just not getting out there. Mm. And uh, and it's sad, man, because it ends up affecting how everybody feels. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the antidote is, man. Maybe I should write some funny jokes. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, I am, maybe that would contribute toward positive change. We, I don't know. <laughs> we're getting it out. I, I'm feeling very happy that we're getting this out now. I mean, this is man, a Man, you are dope, dude. Thank you. Conversation to me. What do, you, what do you think happens when you die? I remember Kumail telling me a, a very haunting thing, which I think I understand now that I understand what metaphors are. Talking about trying to get to God is like walking on a razor thin yeah, wire. Yeah, the sirat, the bridge. That cuts your feet as you walk on it, and it's like infinity below I don't know about, you. I don't know about cutting your feet and all that, but yeah. Oh, There's a lot well, of. It's art. funny, I think I added the cutting the feet. Yeah, I'm like, it's, it's really sharp. And he's like, and that's what you think of yeah. when you pray. Wow. I understand the. The dilemma of the I've ha- never heard anybody teach that, by the way. I don't know that. Oh, is that right? I mean, there are so many. Like, what somebody chooses to emphasize to try to teach you to pray. Right. The point of prayer is just communion with God. Right. Be in the presence. Right. Escape the world. Recognize that Allahu Akbar, God is greater than all this. Yep. Focus your heart and recognize that you are standing before God. Mm-hmm. The Prophet said, for example, worship God. It's a beautiful teaching. He said. Um, he was asked, what is ihsan? What is spiritual beauty? He said, it is to worship God as though you see God. Mm. Knowing full well that though you do not see God, God sees you. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> so to step into that space is the point of prayer, actually. Mm. And so, you know, one who does it right, I'm not, I'm not speaking from experience, but to, from what I've learned and heard and, 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 and witnessed the state of pious human beings, men mm-hmm. and women, mm-hmm. who really are praying. They're not going through the perfunctory motions. Mm-hmm. They're experiencing something. They have what's called a hal, a state. Mm-hmm. And Isn't it a garden of Allah? That idea? Yes. Very much related to that mm-hmm. idea. So like one of my Sufi teachers, I was with him for 15 years. He would talk a lot about how Sufism or myst- Islamic mysticism, tasawwuf, in Arabic it's called tasawwuf. He would say mysticism is not about 
Oh, it's not something you say. Mm. It's not something you would talk about and teach through words. Mm. He would say, Tasawuf ye kaal nahi hai. Ye haal hai. It is a state. Mm. It's something you can be, not something you can know. And you, you talk about things you know. That's right. And you are things that... You know yeah. knowledge, you are wise. Right? Say it again. You, you, know, you know knowledge, you, you are, are wise. wise. Exactly. So it's about yeah. being it. Being it. And when you are it, he said, you know, you could feel other people who are it. Right. And their hearts, he said, are like, uh, are like, so beautiful, man. It's, he said, um, I was saying Urdu because I learned these things in Urdu. They're really poetic, man. He would say like, you know, Jo Allah ka mahbub ban jata hai, the one who's beloved to God. Their heart acquires a type of magnetism. And then other people are just unconsciously pulled to them. That's one of the things I love saying is I was like, people were drawn to Christ. He started talking. Oh my God, he's the dopest human alive. And then after getting a boat, it's a story, but it was the idea that when you're in this place, people go to you. They're drawn to you. Like the way that a cat will sit in your lap even though that cat mm. hates fucking people. Mm. I get that. Yeah. But here we are. If you want to ruin a party, bring up Christ. You oh, know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's so sad. It just becomes about not swearing or not. Dark times, my friend. Exactly. Counterfeit. Counterfeit. Bro. Counterfeit. Counterfeit. So what in happened? a dark time, all you got to do is be able to light a little match, dude. Yeah. Like a little match in the dark, and it doesn't, t- you know what I mean? So he said, uh, the heart gets this uh, attraction, and then he said, and those who come and basically benefit from that, spend time and, you know, acquire that state, basically, they also, just like if you rub metal on a magnet, they acquire that magnetism. Mm. And mm. they go out and go to do their work. Mm-hmm. Mountains don't need anchors, you know? Mm. So the end of it was this idea of, you know, don't be a mirage in the desert. There's enough mirage in the desert. You know, there's enough people faking the funk. Enough counterfeits. <laughs> so aspiring to try to be super, like, be real. Mm-hmm. Be realer than real. Mm. I think that Chappelle's juice mm. is ultimately just exactly that. Mm. Being realer than real. You can, His sketches still hold up. Because you can watch it and be like, what am I watching? Like, <laughs> how, is, how did he say these things? Mm. And how did he make them so funny? And black, white supremacists... It's timeless. Like, it's never going to end, dude. It's, it's a timeless <laughs> sketch. It's incredible. It's getting out of your own way. That's a man who got out of his yeah. own way. Yeah. And was not afraid. He wasn't afraid. He was That's free. Free, yeah. Free. It's, you know, Gary Shandling, when he did my podcast, the late, great Gary Shandling, talked about Zen and the art of archery. And it's about, like, you can't be thinking about, as you pull the arrow back, you can't be thinking about hitting the target. You just become the motion, mm. doing it over and over, and mm. you let go. And then he and Judd is doing this amazing documentary about him, and it's going to be incredible. And he's talking about in comedy, just relax and be there, be like you're pulling the the arrow back, and you'll be funny. He's you'll like, when you funny. host yeah, the Tonight hilarious. Show, don't try to be funny, just be just there be and trust that Gary Shandling's funny. These are things that he would. This write. is a note Dave gave me one time that really benefited my stand up a lot. He goes, "You don't have to worry about being funny. You, you he goes, you're hilarious, man. Don't worry about it." Sorry, I'm doing this horrible Dave impression. It's okay. He's like, you don't have to worry about. It. He goes, just sounds like he's about to serve me some gumbo, though. <laughs> <laughs> you want that spicy? Can I, can I take your order, please? <laughs> <laughs> can I get you something to drink? <laughs> Dave's more like that. Don't worry about being funny. Party five. <laughs> so, so he goes, so he says, you don't, you don't, you don't worry about being funny. Just be interesting. Oh. 
That's great. Because he goes, as long as they're paying attention and you're interesting, they will. He's like, you're going to be funny. That's so you're good. hilarious. That's a free podcast. All right, guys. It's you know, you such have, good advice, man. You don't man. have to pay to listen to this podcast. It's such it's good advice, man. People email me all the time. They're like, what advice do you have for stand-ups? I'm like, listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My advice is known as you made it weird. Yeah, it's three hours a week and <laughs> it's free. I know you have to listen to a lot of talk about the you know Quran. What you, you know how hilarious. No, but you know what you should do, man? You should publish like a top ten wisdoms you've learned. Yeah. Type of thing. I, I saw about that I thing. saw a little interview thing that you had done with I think like A V Club or something like that mm. in you, you, you yeah, recently, that sounds right? right. That something like that, but in a written form. Yeah. That would be dope, man. Yeah, you, I, you have a lot of collected wisdom from all these interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. So you have a unique vantage point. Well, I'm working on a God book. That's, oh yeah, that's the first one. Yeah, dude. And then maybe we'll get to comedy. Really? We'll go what's, reverse. What's order. the book? What's the? We'll do God, thing? sex, then comedy. comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I got to do the God one first. That's, that's my. This <laughs> well, that's my right. Sex is a part, part of the thing. We got to. Yeah, we, we didn't even. Really, I've been jumping sex lately. Really? You know what my problem is? Is I found Valerie, and then I became less interested. Interested in it? In yeah. Like that's just what happened. I think porn is from the devil. You do? I think it's, it's a funny. Really you know, demonic thing, bro. You know when the porn and da- it's like a genie out of the bottle. Yeah. I have four sons. My oldest is fifteen. Yeah. Thirteen, ten, and eight. And you're out of the house right now. And I'm. <laughs> it is spank city right now. Spanking is probably happening. <laughs> and, uh, and so. <laughs> It's really, really. It becomes impossible to meaningfully talk about sexual morality in yeah. a sense. Yeah. When it's just like, and I, in the very next breath, it's like, you, know, you gotta respect women, but which is of course what any civilized person believes. Yeah. And in the very next breath, it's like, and I know you're watching like the most disgusting objectification yeah. of women that has ever existed in the history of planet Earth. Right. In everybody's pocket. Right. Twenty four seven. On the toilet. In the shower. I'm sorry. I think, I think it's not a good thing. There's there's this there's this like activist organization. I think they lapped everybody on this, and it's called Fight the New Drug, mm. FTND. And they're making some cool like web content and stuff, and like it's about porn. It's addiction. about porn. Porn is the new drug. Yeah. Yeah. Fight the new drug. It's I was like, obsessed with that when I knew you when I was 22. Mm. I was desperately trying to get a book called uh, The New Drug, something like that. It, it had the new drug in the title, and it was about pornography. Yeah. But it was this is pre Amazon had everything, yeah. and I couldn't find a copy of this book because I was so desperate. Pornified is the one that I read. Of, Pornified. The Pornified is a great book, man. Yeah. And and it, and it's very frightening to me because putting more moral sexual morality aside as a matter of religion and all this kind of stuff, just putting it aside for a second, just to discuss the very real world implication of trying to parent not just boys, boys and girls who are being raised on a healthy diet, steady diet, unhealthy for quite frankly, but a steady diet of, yep. of this type of input into their consciousness yep. makes it virtually impossible, not entirely, but virtually impossible to you know, have a truly you know, uh, uh, human connection mm. um, you know, in a romantic context because mm. it's overshadowed by, in many ways, this looping sexual fantasy that is pornified mm. that, you know, the guy can't escape. It's a crazy well, thing man, girl, when, it's... even when I, even when I, I just mean I'm not a teenage boy. Yeah. Most women that you see, 
it's a normal thought to wonder what they would see, be like in a certain sexual position. Yes. More so, more vividly than it was before. Of course, yeah. When I was 15, Everybody's before I got it, pornography. Of course, yeah. I wasn't thinking like, what is this girl, something graphic here. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I do. No, and I, I don't I, even I, notice. Everybody's doing it, bro. Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, everybody's doing that, dude. Yeah. It's really gross. It's changing the way we think about it. Yes. Other. And it's increasing... Us and them, men and women. Yes. I fuck, you get fucked, Correct. and you're a caricature of Correct. thing that gets fucked. Correct. Yeah. So I understand the culture of sex positivity, which is like, no, we should just be sex positive and stop moralizing about all this and just celebrate right. our bodies. About. And that's all wonderful and fine philosophically and theoretically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and to me, it's almost like to embrace that requires one to completely dispense with any notion of sexual morality that is grounded in religion. Because mm. the moment you also have that layer, it's like, no, I'm trying to also keep sex as a sex secret aspect of my day-to-day human life. Yes. I'm not interested in just having quote-unquote meaningless recreational sex. That is just me exercising because this is the basis of human life. Like this, the, the fluids. It's, it's literally the ceremony we do to induct a new being into the world. <laughs> into the, it's like into the, humanness. It's the most effective spell that's ever been cast. <laughs> yes. It's a dance, yes, and it yes, works. Yes, and just because you can go on a website and watch people yeah. in doing this, doing the thing, dance doesn't. Yeah, and just because it feels good doesn't take away from its the fact that it's sacred, fucking magic, miraculous. It's, exactly. No one can argue. No, exactly. It's magic. It's not only magical in its outcome and its function; it is utterly irresistible. And the proof of that is the continuation of the human species. That's right. <laughs> for, for, That's for right. Millennia. And <laughs> we've taken that and and we've reduced it to, T- to titties, titties and, and, yeah. and, and TNA. Huge Strip old clubs, dicks. Yeah. So, clubs. you know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I'm a douchebag like any other human being and a comedian. And I've been married now for 18 years. Wow. I have four children. I have an amazing family that I am desperately want to, you know, be good to and, and yeah. be a good father and a good husband. And at the same time, my goodness, I mean, sexual temptation is a never-ending, you know, just – bane of 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 my existence so thankfully my wife and i i mean she's amazing my wife is incredible i told you earlier she was studying with barack obama yeah she's like a brilliant yeah (laughs) welcome back (laughs) such a great song dude to the same place that you have to so so she's amazing and therefore i've been able to be extremely Honest. Like we got to a place after a lot of yeah. hard times and ups and downs and back and forth. I seem to remember seeing you in a in a dance. Yeah, yeah. You, like, you had just been divorced, I remember. Yeah. I saw you in New York. And to all my religious friends, not to put this on you, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of religious friends that were like, there was a twinge of Pete got out. <laughs> and I got yeah, out and I got out clean. Because my wife no kids. left me and I right. didn't have kids. Yeah. So it's like, oh, Pete got to start over when he was twenty eight. He got a do over. I do-over. had other religious friends that Pete were got like, a do over. Hey, exactly. I want a do over. I want a do over for sure. <laughs> it was jealousy. Yeah. Divorce jealousy. It was religious jealousy. Is that gonna be in the show? That's a good idea. That's a great idea for the show. <laughs> uh jealous of your divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the grass is always green on the other side, man. Yeah. For sure. I think the unstoppable tide of Islam is gonna bring with it polygamy. You think so? Yeah. Really? Of course. Tell me why. Well, it's a natu- it's as natural as drinking water. Having two, three wives? Yeah. I mean, just polygamy as a human institution yeah. throughout the course of human history has been the dominant lived reality for the vast majority of human civilizations, <laughs> for the vast majority of human history. 
because people are by nature polyamorous. Now, people will then say, well, why can't women have more than one husband? Go for it, man. That's that's yeah. called being a secular person in an open, free society. Why should the state regulate what types of agreements mature adults make between themselves? Yeah, it's funny. So, I've read the ethical. So, so, I, go on. Yeah, so I, I feel very strange being in a position where, wait a second, I genuinely as a an American, as a Muslim, as a free-thinking liberal – have no problem arguing for the defense of gay marriage and the fact that gay people should be allowed to organize their you know intimate relationships and have and this, enjoy all the and yeah. enjoy all the benefits of the state institution blah 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 and yeah exactly the state should have nothing to say about this polygamy is as old as the world are you kidding yeah. me yeah, yeah, yeah. so because you don't like Mormons and it had to do with some political bullshit back in you know de- decades ago now um, you know back to brainwashing through media. Somehow this thing is so horrible. Oh, it's so gross. One man, more one, more than one woman. Oh, you mean like every season of The Bachelor? Like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah. Big love, sister wives. Like the counterculture has already been put out there. I have to say one of so the, the main – polyamory. Yeah. The oh. way – Val is totally comfortable and I love it. And I, I, I consider myself an expert on smelling out phony stuff mm, like this. Mm. Like they're doing it. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, I yeah, like yeah. them. She doesn't mind if I – I just said to her yesterday, yesterday, I go, the girl that did my makeup had the best day. I couldn't stop looking at her ass and she was like, Yo, I wish I had seen it. That was her response. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, because that, that's the idea is to be in a safe enough space with your partner. Fuck Where fear. you can be I, yourself. Why yes. do you want the version of me like that no we sense. see on, on every yeah. sitcom where I go Sorry, like, I'm not sorry what? that I'm being honest. Exactly. Yeah, keeping it hundred. So that's what happened, dude. My my relationship with my wife reached a point where I actually played a clip of uh, of uh, oh my god, uh, Elephant in the Room, uh, uh, stand up special, Elephant in the Room. Oh, uh, Ralphie May. No. Uh, oh, Patrice. Patrice O'Neill. Remember, he has that whole bit about the boat and the yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the shit, the, yeah. the sharks, the sharks. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like the very thing that makes fishing. you an appealing shark fisherman. The shark gets in the boat and says, "Stop sh- fishing, exactly. sharks." So I literally show had to show my wife that clip and yeah. Be like, this is how I feel about this whole time. Well, we've talked about the, you know, it just came out on the, a, a couple episodes. And ago. I get that people think it's misogynistic and all that. Sure. I get that at some point, like, sorry, I'm not sorry that I'm being truthful. This is what I really believe and feel. And well, I don't think it is misogynistic. I think it's honest. Do you act on it? <sighs> Big sigh. I'll tell you that it just came out. I mean, Go the ahead. answer is a no. Yeah. Um, but you want it. I would love to, man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I would only love to when I. When I with my wife's hundred percent support and yeah. and her seeing like this is healthy for you, right? And I know that it's not because right. I don't I don't have my shit together, you know, life wise. You don't have your foundation. Yeah, yeah, I'm still kind of floating out there a little bit. You know, but I, it may happen. My life might go that direction, man. That would be amazing, dude. <laughs> You're openly. I want to do. This. Oh my god, we well, yeah, because I've met some amazing people on this planet that I'm just sort of like, why can't why can't I again? Like, yeah. There's no good reason not to. Right. And so the only good reason is it would hurt my wife's feelings. I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to be a douchebag, you know? Right. But I would love for her and you feelings think, to evolve on the side. You think her feelings would be hurt because she inherited a system of values that told them that they should be hurt. Correct. Yeah. That, you know, somehow it's like, you know, I love her less if I – and by the way, to me, it's like why – you, People in polyamorous relationships can understand this. People in open relationships can understand this. It's not right. – has nothing to do with religion and I'm a Muslim trying to put, push my yeah, yeah, yeah. polygamous prophetic worldview. Like, no, dude, I'm a person. Yeah. Human beings feel these. I happen to be one of them. You know, it's funny. There's a way to do this ethically rather than pushing me into a life of douchebaggery. And and porn downloads. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living a double life, man. Yeah. I would actually say, speaking of porn addiction, man, listen, what is the definition of addiction? 
Uh, something you can't stop even though you want to. Exactly. That's the va- that describes the vast majority of men. That want to stop looking at porn but they can't? Correct. I think you're right. As I, as I grew up – So then by, by – ergo, yeah. the majority of men on earth are addicted to pornography. Yeah. This is like a public health crisis. <laughs> if you really want to frame it correctly. Yeah. People are addicted and it's ruining people's lives. Yeah. People – You know, porn rehab clinics are going to be the next big rage in America. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting some the control over The orgies they're going to have there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> It's going to be simultaneously the most angelic and demonic place. (laughs) Well, I just came out on the podcast that Val and I, it's not something we've done. We've been together four years that we've had a a couple, three ways. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The plot thickens. (laughs) And I've talked about it. It was really lovely. But here's the best part. I think you're going to dig this. It's different. If this has evolved, you're more evolved. Mm. But this is the, the main benefit I get from this is not the three ways. It's not. That I've had a couple memorable sexual experiences mm. with my with my lovely lady. Mm. It's that I know that I am a free being. It's that I know that there's adventure and potential mm. waiting for me. Mm. That there's potentially wow. some dinner that Valerie and I have in Spain, and we're both feeling it, and we meet somebody, and something magical happens uh. in the rain. Do you understand? Yeah. It's, it's when like you- Woody Allen's movie. What is that movie that uh, uh, with the uh, with the with the uh, Penelope Cruz and uh, and Matchpoint. Uh, no, uh, Javier Bardem and uh, Matchpoint. No, no, Vicky Cristina. Barcelona. Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I thought I was right both times when I said Matchpoint. Right? I was like, you mean Matchpoint? This guy's not hearing me. Do I have to say it in Urdu? Open up Google Translate. Matchpoint. Matchpoint. It's a cultural reference. Damn it. But you know, in, that shit. in match point, it eventually doesn't work. I, I'm fully see. I'm I seen somewhat protective in Vicky Cristina Barcelona. It doesn't work. Right, their open thing. Yes, because it, it's a great idea, and especially if you've had a glass or two of wine, you're just kind of like, why wouldn't we do that? I just want to see some. T- <laughs> but uh, so it can go sideways, and I'm protective enough of Valerie and I that I don't want to do that. But I, I see where you're. I hear your argument. I'm just making a prediction about the way I think the culture is going to go. Yeah. As to my own life and my own practice in it, I could be full of it right now. And I also don't know how my life is going to evolve. Azhar, you're sitting across from King full of it. King full of it. <laughs> I'm, trying of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best too. We're both trying. Yeah, best. man. So, you know, this is where you're catching me in a moment in time and this is where I'm at. And I think we're all trying to work it out, and I'd make literally zero judgments of anybody yeah. but I, who's I, in their own struggle. I'm glad for your truth, though. Do you That's think it's going to happen? Will I take another wife in my life yeah. now? <laughs> if I was a betting man? <laughs> um that's really like asking me, do I think my wife's feelings on it will, will ever evolve? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I... The, what um, are her feelings? Just no? Or is she kind of like, I, mean, I really, don't know. This is so cliche, but it's it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got myself into a, a bit of a pickle. No, I understand. And so, you mean right now? Um, don't well, feel pickled. I don't, I'm not we're, no, we're out of it right now. We're, in the, we're out of the forest right now. And yeah. we're in a really wonderful, amazing place. Yeah. In which I'm building, you know, we're kind of like, we're, in a really, we're probably in the best place we've ever been. Like, yeah. I think mar- you know, marriage is relationships, right? They go through a lot of things, evolution. Man. Yeah, they change. They and, the, and it's two people who are themselves evolving and trying to figure out how to evolve together. 
and simultaneously give each other enough space to grow and be your own person while being supportive and being around to be part of the other person's story. Right. Because like you're like the main character in their story. Right. And they're the main character in your story. Right. And it's like if you're, you know, it's like being on an improv team and somebody wants to hog the spotlight. Right. Kind of like Berbiglia's movie. Right. So marriage is kind of like that, you know? And especially when it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And it's very narcissistic enterprise. It's very much about me, me, me. I'm also the sole breadwinner as far as just like the practical day-to-day of like money needed to pay bills. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't believe money is real. But um, it's a required phenomenon in day-to-day life. It's a, it's a story that we have to adhere yeah, to. Yeah. You know, it's like the money's not real. The food and the, the clothes my kids need are real. But the money's not real. It's right. just a means, right? Right. But, but having said all that, I mean, uh, I, just, I just don't know. Uh, man, the most honest answer is I don't know. Yeah. I, pray, I pray on it every day. For God, oh, well, to just grant more you like, another one. More like you know, just another one. just just <laughs> just, just make happen whatever is uh, you know um, the best gonna be the, the fullest version of all of us. Yeah, all of us in the equation. Yeah, you know. All right, uh, and that's my hope and prayer. And uh, you know, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I mean, the, the other thing is, I'm also very um, detached from it because mm. I've come to realize, like. Okay, there's something I'm really into, the fantasy of it, the idea of it. Wouldn't it be great if? Yeah. And it's like, you know, if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, that's fine, too. Like, my life is amazing. Right. I'm very grateful, you know? I guess I'm one of those. Cultivating gratefulness. I'm one of those classic idiots, uh, I think, but I think I represent a pretty good portion of people where I'm like, it seems like a lot. You know, like one one marriage yeah, is a lot. Yeah, yeah, Another yeah. one is, it's fun to think about, like... Oh, I'm in a Tiffany mood, and now I'm in a Britney right, mood. Right. But then I also see Tiffany and Britney both wanting to. I get that, you know, but my response to that is that's true, except for or yeah, yes, and how much energy do men spend in pursuit of scratching the itch of I want to get laid? So I you wanna... save that? Yeah, it's but all it, that energy. Isn't that, it just the goodness. hedonic treadmill? If two is good, then three is good. And isn't Maybe. there something? It, in, it depends on the person, man. There's also something inherently, I think, potentially sexist. I don't think you're being sexist. Yeah. Sexist that a man can handle a flock of women, right, right. but one woman can't have fourteen. That's right. Picks. That's right. Oh, no, I, she certainly can. I get but, that argument. Yeah. Right. And I'm. Just, I guess my point is just like again, a lot of these arguments are wonderful theoretical arguments. Yeah. That's just not reality. You just want your house. Fuck, fuck everybody else. You want to be able to do your thing. Who cares how it works? It works in my own house. I have. Two wives and it works for me. I mean, if again, not with with yes, and I there'll be a wonderful outcome, and provided that everybody feels like they're happy to be on the team. Yeah, nobody needs to be. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not interested in any level of their feeling. Some anybody having a feeling of right? I'm getting a raw deal here. Right. Like that's 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 not there was a poly. That's not in the spirit of it. There was a polygamous relationship in Masters of Sex that was interesting. And it was one of those things. Oh. You, everybody has to be content. It's yeah, a tricky exactly. thing. I mean, look, everybody's looking for the same thing, which is love. Yeah. And what a, uh, what a person needs to feel loved, to have their particular itch scratched, right. is completely unique. Yeah. And it's a combination of, like, infinite certain factors. Right. Some of which can't even be known. Right. That, that Yeah. That was a, one of the surprises for me uh, about three ways. One was that I even got to have some. But one was how loving it was. And I, and oh, I, I was very – I thought it was just going to be like, I'm, animal, right. animal. I'm an animal. And, yeah. and really and, – and this, this was, you know, you know whatever. 
they felt very loving, very nurturing. Everybody, everybody was like seen. We, it was like wow. a good evening. <laughs> you, you had an experience that happens in heaven, my friend. <laughs> you got the seventy-two virgin experience. Yeah, <laughs> nobody was a virgin. <laughs> Or they were very it's such good a funny, beginners. That's such an idiotic uh, translation of this idea of virgins. They say two virgins in heaven. It's such a stupid. What term. do you think it means? It's just the idea. Well, it's of- the Hudalain. They're trying to translate a term that appears in scripture, mm. trying to describe a phenomenon that is archetypal and has nothing to do with the world, mm. and using a word like virgin that completely communicates the opposite right. notion. These are sensual beings. Yeah. That exists for the purpose it's of interesting. pure sexual pleasure. When people smoke DMT and meet the blue lady, the blue dancing lady, hmm. and sh- they have sex with this woman, they, hmm. they report, you know, this is a. Wait, hold on. So, this is a thing? People take a DMT and have sex with a blue dancing lady? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's known that you're going to meet this blue dancing lady? We've, on this podcast, Jane Moss told the story about the blue lady, and then we Google image searched it. Enough people have seen this multi armed, it looks very kind of Hindu, uh, blue lady. And I think this is all gin stuff, bro. She's jealous that you gin. Yeah, what's bro. this? Gin is like the paranormal. Pho- explains all the paranormal phenomena. The obsession we have as a culture with ghosts and paranormal activity. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, demons, spirits, and goblins, and yeah. it's all gin, bro. Gin are described in the Quran as the guy in another another species like humans. Uh huh. The ancestors that have fr- free will. Yeah. But humans are made of clay or earth, and they're made of fire. Oh, wow. Angels are made of light and have no free will. Mm. So these three species are kind of archetypal. Mm. So angels are made of light. They only do com- carry out the commands of God. They have no free will, and all they do is good. Mm-hmm. Jinn and humans are a, d- a unique set of creatures because they have free will, mm. which therefore means they're morally accountable. Which is the only way to make sense of the whole story, which is back to the point about life as a test, which answers your question that we started with, we never got to. What is the relationship with wealth? If life is a test and you're given wealth, the question is, do you act gratefully? Do you spend in charity? Do you show your gratitude Mm. and feel grateful in your heart for being given wealth? If you're not given wealth, are you patient? Mm. Do you recognize that life is, you know, everybody's dealt their hand, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's the nature of the whole thing. And then Jin. So, so Jin and humans are also given this free will. And they have their own rules and their own universe. And the and blue lady is like a Jin. I'm saying maybe. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. When I hear about this stuff. Yeah. And by the way, do you know who uh, Aleister Crowley is? Sure. Dude, Crowley was all about Jin stuff, man. You know, invocation and evocation, channeling. What are you channeling? Trying to get these guys. Yes, dude. And a lot of them can, uh, you know, the, their relationship with linear time is different than the way we experience it. Mm. So, quote-unquote, things from the future and, you know, Nostradamus. They're just outside. I don't know what's going on, but there's something very... Ginny going. Ginny going on. Something Ginny going on. The fact that, you know, I don't know. Just Aladdin has a gin, a genie. The word genie comes from gin. Wow. Yeah, man. I love this. There's a, it's, it's a, it's a it's creepy fun thing, man. Stuff, yeah, so it's the fun. blue woman, in, the woman in a blue dress, you said? Yeah. And you, people, multiple people. What, what's your Twitter? What's having, your Twitter handle? Uh, just my name, Azhar Usman. A Z H A R U S M A N. Someone tweet Azhar the picture of the blue lady. You'll have, oh. your, your inbox will be filled I with I could blue also ladies. just Google it immediately. You could, but I want, them to, I want you to see the one that Shane liked. Okay. But uh, Shane Botwin? I, I Instagrammed it. It's in my Instagram, if you go back, the blue lady. Okay. Um, 
But it, it so see that is that's another misunderstanding. Seventy two virgins being the metaphor for this fucking blue yeah. lady that you see. When well, I don't know if the blue lady, die. but it's called they're called Hur al Ain. Yeah. Hur al Ain. It's a known phenomenon discussed discussed in scripture, and it's never ever no one in the history of the, of Islam has said virgins. They yeah. don't translate it as human beings or virgins whenever had sex. This is your version of we we heard the music, we sent it to Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, exactly. Like, Shit. No, it's like we're no dude. stupid yeah. out there. Yeah, exactly. It's like no no no. These are these sensual and there's also Ghilman mentioned in the Quran who are like the male sexual yeah, so people don't talk about any of this stuff, dude. Magic Mike. Yeah, man. Blue man. I, I had this great, again, a Sufi lesson from a teacher. Really just explained a lot to me, man. He goes, look, every human being, because the human is this incredible creature, has the capacity to create their own reality. Mm. And imagines and desires their, what their fantasy is. That's in the Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment as well. It's all made of one thing and each controls its own destiny. Right. So everybody has this capacity. It's yeah. like a, a thing you're just born with. It's in yeah. your DNA as a human being. Okay. And then he said, and therefore it is natural to engage in this fantasizing of like, I want my house to be like this and I want my life to be like that and I want to have a show on HBO and I want to do this thing and I, I want to have a threesome with my girlfriend <laughs> and, I, and I, that's how I want my life to be. Yeah. Right? And then they set about trying to achieve that dream. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the impetus for that is completely natural because that's how they were, you've been created. You've been hardwired that way to fantasize and then try to get that fantasy. For sure. But then he said, but the thing is, nobody. He says, but the thing is, nobody gets to live their complete and full fantasy here on Earth. Uh He goes, there's a name for that place where that happens. It's not called Earth, it's called Paradise. Paradise. That's basically like, you want to understand what Paradise is archetypally? Yeah. It is everything you ever wanted. Hmm. It is your fantasy come to life. And then he said a really dope way to kind of drive it home. This is like the relationship between religion and morality. He goes, it's as if God says to man, listen, I made you. I know you. I know exactly. I gave you all these impulses and desires that you have. Yeah. You're playing in my game right now. Right. Okay. And I'll tell you what. I'll here's make the, you, yeah, here's the deal. I'll make you a deal. If you live your life on this earth doing everything that I say – then I promise you will come to a place where you tell me what you want me to do and I will do what you said. Interesting. It's a dope concept. <laughs> it's a dope concept, yeah. That makes my that makes my So it really requires a big game. a big leap into faith. This is the yeah. crux of faith, man, is a, is is do you believe in things that are unbelievable? Basically, otherwise, right. otherwise it's just, unbelievable. It's just kind of weird to me that it's my understanding of the divine is more unconditional. It's less involved in that, yes. like do it Morality, this way, this yeah. way, this way, yes. and then this. That seems like almost the. I think it's about the 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 way I I've related to it now for many years is that, you know, the dominant attribute, if you will, of the divine is mercy. Mm. So merciful, a merciful God. The definition of it actually the, the, again back to language. Language is very important, man. So. The two words that are used in Muslim tradition to describe God are Rahman and Rahim, both of which come from the same root word, Rahma or Rahima, which means to want good for others without wanting anything in return. Mm. And it comes from the root Rahm, which means a womb. Mm. 
which is an interesting metaphor mm-hmm. and an interesting archetype, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, ba- no mother has ever looked at her baby and said, what are you going to do for me, right? Yes. It's that selfless love in the world. Yeah. We'll just imagine now that taken to its infinite right. possibility. So if that's the dominant principle, the organizing principle of creation is mercy. That is to say God, the divine, wanting, created the universe and wants nothing but good for it without wanting anything in return. Then how do you make sense of morality and laws and obedience yep. and all that? Well, it's the fact that the way the, the way the prophet put it, he said, you know, every human being is a sinner. The best sinners are those who repent most. So it's awareness. It's just cultivating awareness. Mm-hmm. Be the biggest sinner on earth. Live your life drunk, fornicating, whatever. Yeah. But being aware of like, all right, but I know that I'm kind of just having fun and I – I know I'm, I'm, I'm living kind of like flagrantly in violation of my own ethical and moral ideas. Right, right. And God forgive me, I'm sorry. It, That's everything. It's funny that you say that because uh, I talked about this with Reza as well. The idea that Ramdas teaches it's not what you do so much as who is doing it, who you are that's doing yes. it. Yes. And that's why you have people like uh, I always stumble on his name, Trungpa Rinpoche, mm-hmm. who was drunk all the time and slept with his devotees and smoked cigarettes, all that stuff. It was it was this very confusing esoteric message. This very immoral person, but also had the light of God in it. Yes. It's like what is going on yes. here? So the childish way of understanding is more simple. It's like don't do this, don't do this, don't yes. do this, and then later. Uh, the Dalai Lama says, "Learn the rules well, so you can break them well." Yes, exactly. And that that becomes here we are. This is happening. Like Ramana says, drunkenness specifically. He goes, "You want to get drunk? Get drunk. Do it consciously. Yes. Be the drunk person. Don't detach." That's or, right. You know. By the way, Sufis use drunkenness as a metaphor constantly. Really? For because their whole thing is like there's no greater elixir than falling in love with God. Mm. I mean, it makes people crazy. It appear crazy. Mm-hmm. It makes people appear drunk. You know. Mm. So that's what Rumi will go on. A lot of people misquote Rumi nowadays. When it's like they think he was just some kind of antinomian Sufi. It's hard to hear him who, while you're doing yoga. You know, they're <laughs> 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 you're playing in some sort of mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> then a little roomy. Yeah, there it is. Uh, anyway, man, th- this is a never-ending oceanic discussion. Yeah. Um, you were I, about I to say on, uh, people misquote Rumi. Yeah, because they think that he's something. You know, the guy was a Muslim shay, a scholar. Yeah. The Mesnavi, which is like his magnum opus, you know, uh, poem, epic poem, mm. has been called the Quran in Persian. Because <laughs> he just took all the moral ideas, lessons, stories, philosophical and theosophical ideas and put them into these dope, amazing, hilarious, interesting, heartbreaking, you know, mm. stories of human people. What's it called? The Methnevi or the Mesnevi. It's not in the Red Book, is it? Um, I don't know. The Red Book. Is it its I own mean, book? I mean, Coleman Barks has really kind of – Coleman Barks is the main translator of Rumi now. Okay. And he doesn't even know Persian or Arabic, so he's kind of like this – you know, he's, We're tired. He's, 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 he's working hard. <laughs> I, I just watched you and I both. Yeah, know, just like I've been talking for a long time. It's I, I feel like we could talk forever, man. There's so much to catch up on. It's been three hours. All right, let's, three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? Well, we started a little after two, so Whoa. it's been a little. Well, less. Let's wrap it up. Whatever. What do you want to do? Can I tell you what I've been working on? Because I'm excited sure. about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, so obviously, you know, I've had this. I'm, I'm like this indie rapper. 
Indian. No, <laughs> in, 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 Indian rapper. You're Indian. Yeah, I am Indian. <laughs> Indian American. Uh, I'm like this indie rapper, dude. Like dude. you are. No, I'm just telling you, like my my my. Are you making up, a comparison? I'm making a because you look like you should be rapping. <laughs> Hilarious. You look like modest. Mm. 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 Oh, I like modest. <laughs> Didn't he like quit? Uh, being I heard Orthodox he stopped. Yeah, I think he stopped. That's kind of sad to me, but good for him. He found yeah. his path. Yeah, it keeps unfolding. Um, no, I said in comedy because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like this. I built this really indie underground career, right? Right. So I feel like I'm an indie rapper who's been unsigned for like forever. Yeah. And it's like my first studio album. Yeah. Oh, this is your this is what you're doing now. Well, I kind of feel that way about it, even though it's still not a studio album because I'm doing it independent. And then you're gonna sell it. In, uh, inshallah, God willing, that's the plan, man. Yeah. So uh, Hannibal is helping. He's gonna executive produce it. Oh no which way! Which is exciting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, look, we all came up together, right? So Hannibal has been like that's great. super sweetheart, like you, just, yo, man, you know, happy for what, what's happening yeah, yeah, in my yeah. career. And then I wrote some jokes for Hannibal last time. I said, look, I love writing tags. You know that. Yeah. So I wrote a bunch of tags for him, and then he just gave me a consulting or a creative consultant's uh, credit on his oh, last wow, special. that's great. So I was like, dude, man, thank you so much. I didn't ask for it. He just did it. So then I thought, well, if he's interesting. Yeah, I'm like, if you're interested in shining a light on my career, like this, this would be the way to help me, man. So we're gonna tape it in May. I don't have the date yet, but we're, details are forthcoming. Wow. Uh, my friend Rami Youssef. Do you know Rami yet? You need to meet Rami, dude. Mm -hmm. He's a young cat, hilarious Egyptian American Muslim comedian from New Jersey, mm. and like you know, Be Dave Becky saw him when he was like a teenager and just like snapped him up. Really? So he's been baking quietly <laughs> off the radar as well. Wow. And so Rami is like going to be a great director. I really believe that. So he's going to direct my special. No way. I'm very excited about this, and I'm trying to decide where to tape it. So that's one thing. And then also, I booked that part um, in a in an Amazon show. Oh, you did? So this show called Patriot is dropping tomorrow, actually, February 24th. Wow. Ten episodes. I'm in like four or five, I think. Wow, good for you. And uh, this guy, Steve Conrad, uh, made the show. He's like amazing. He wrote a bunch of movies and he wrote like The Pursuit of Happiness. And, oh, wow. You know, he wrote uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Like he's paid his dues, you know. Mm -hmm. So this is his first big swing. He wrote a show. It, they, they spent like $50 million making it, I think. Wow. Something crazy. That's the rumor I heard. So anyway, it's a big Amazon show. Let's see how it does. Yeah. And then maybe it's a good opportunity for me to It'll be you know, out now. It. It's out now. If, right. This won't be out for a few this. weeks. So. Okay, amazing. So you can watch it on Amazon. And then um, uh, if that show goes to the second season, then I think I'm still on the show. And then taping the special in May. And then just hopefully going to get that out and do whatever it does. Do you have a title? I have like, too many titles, man. Yeah, I have like hundreds of titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, I don't have one I can share right now. Okay. But I'm going to come back and, and tell you that you got to please tell your people about it because yeah. I think it's going to hopefully be dope, man. That's, that's the plan. I wish you well. That's going to be great. Yeah, man. Thank you for meeting up with me on last minute notice. I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> that sounds so good right now, bro. When you so talk good. deep like this, it's, it's my favorite thing to do. But it's it does take a toll. Yeah. It takes a toll right I now. said that like two hours ago. I was like, good, yeah, the podcast is exhausting. Yeah, you did. It really is though, man, because you're a very you're a very uh, soulful person, oh, man. I appreciate that. I, that's what I really believe. You, we've always had conversations that – We did. You know, immediately go my, to this place yes, of like realness. One of my fondest memories – fondest religious memories was uh, praying with you before <sighs> it was raining really, really hard and you and me and Kumail, I was driving. You, uh, you prayed out loud. Wow! And you said, and you said it in Urdu, 
And no, in Arabic, probably. In Arabic. The traveling prayer. You son of a bitch. Well, I'll tell you what you said. Wow. I, I call you son of a bitch because you know three languages. Full it's not fair. <laughs> Actually, I know four. Okay, I'm going to kill it. Well, here's a threat. Take that, Trevor Noah. Uh, Take that. You're not the only one. And then you said something. I thought, it, again, it was that un, un, unembarrassed religious person. Wow. To a, an embarrassed religious person. Interesting, dude. And I said, what did that mean? And you said... Let the rain fall, but not on us. On us, right. <laughs> Allahumma wa alayna wa la alayna. Right. Here we are 10 years That's later. That's incredible. Years so I mean, said that pr- it was raining yeah, bad. It was raining hard. That's right. It was it's scary beautiful rain. beautiful prayer. It was scary rain. Dear God, make it rain, but not on us, but not upon us. Or upon us, but not on us. Right? Okay. That's the I remember that. But it That's was, amazing, it was, dude. It was, you the, remember that? it was the prayer, but it was also wow. this guy is with, a, is with two friends, and he didn't care. He was going to do it. We didn't think we were going to die. It wasn't like that. But you just right. were like, this is what I do. And it huh. was very inspiring. That's so amazing, dude. Yeah. That you would remember that. <laughs> of course. Huh. Um, well, maybe it was accepted in that case, my friend. <laughs> I don't think it stopped raining at the time, though. It didn't. But, uh, you know, here we are. Yeah, you got to try. You know. You got to try. Pete Holmes. Azhar is one. It's been a whirlwind. Thanks, buddy. This was one of my favorite episodes of all time. You always say that, though. I do not. Are you serious? It's probably 350 sweet, episodes. Sweet person, man. Thank I don't you, know man. if there are other. I said it to Reza too. The Muslims are killing it. Muslims are ki- unstoppable out of Islam. <laughs> oh man, thank you, Pete. Holmes. Will you say keep it crispy? Of course, I will. It's been an honor, man. I've been yes. looking forward to <laughs> saying these words and then hearing that dope ass rap come in immediately <laughs> afterwards. Who is the rapper who's buying that again? God, we got to figure that out. Crispy, so crispy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Please keep it crispy. Ooh, it's a whisper, not a shout. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen 900 shoes, 850. I'm so crispy, I'm so crispy. My ice game making haters wanna get me. So now leaving nerdist.com. 